this is Shaco Art Speak. Hey, welcome back to Shaco Art Speak. I am Gareth Blackwell, as always, with my co-host Ryan Leterio. Hey, Ryan, how you doing this morning? I'm doing so good. I had a couple laughs, and um, I ate a granola bar. Two wonderful, beautiful things. Yeah, I mean, the granola bar was chunky though, and it was like, you know, when a granola bar is supposed to be sticky and kind of chewy, but it's in, it it like is in this in between zone. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I always get the ones that are like a little too hard and crunchy, yep. and then they turn into dust in your mouth. But yeah. apparently, they're healthy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <sighs> yeah, the dust, the dust—it's like a dust bowl in your mouth. Yeah. Yep. Anyhow, well, besides that, it's a fantastic morning. Uh, yeah, it's it really good morning. Is. We got some good stuff going on. Um, if you've been with us the last two episodes, or if you haven't heard those, please go back and listen to them because this is our third part in a series on what we are talking about in terms of the ecosystem of art and design. So we've broken it down into three different parts. We talk about the organizations, the events, and the people. OEP. Yeah, you know me. Oh, my gosh. Our dad jokes are, are really starting to sink in. They're yeah. embedded dad jokes. I actually heard that from a listener who said that they, they, they're greatly pained by them. Yes. And I was like, that's because they're working. Yeah, yeah. If a dad joke pains you, it's because it's working. And that one just pained me, actually. Like when you know the, <clears> like <throat> when Benadryl makes you sleepy, you mm-hmm. know it's working. Oh, it's the best thing. It's the same thing. thing. Yeah, 100%. So we're happy to we're happy to serve. We can't deny where we're at. We can't. You know, I mean, when when we're doing this for a long time and we're grandparents, then I'll have some other level of like grandparent jokes or something like that. That'd be great. Know. I mean, like I can't help it. I'm a dad, so all yeah. my jokes are naturally dad jokes. Yeah. Weird thing is I've been telling those jokes before I ever became a father. So Yeah, I feel like I just use the fact that I'm actually a father now as a crutch. As a crutch for the fact that I tell bad jokes. Yeah. I think that's what it really is. But I mean, you know, I think it's acceptable. I mean, sure. Um Well, Proportion in proportion in proportion of course <laughs> in proportion yeah and and let's not let's not be too hasty we have some pretty fantastic jokes too I agree I think so yeah I mean the the majority of the great jokes we can't say on air I was gonna say you should hear I the mean, stuff that doesn't make the that's one hundred percent we'll release them someday when we're ready to retire <laughs> <laughs> we'll do like a Wu Tang Clan vault release like you could pay a million dollars to hear what didn't make it on air that would be amazing Shaco Art Speak pay for it you get we'll give it to you fundraiser now anonymous is going to like get all our studio recordings 100%. off the server yep that's that's who's listening to us sometimes i think <laughs> anyhow but <laughs> we're getting back into it we are talking about the organizations the events and the people that help make up the ecosystem because this is very much a connected group of uh different entities that really make art and design flourish within our communities and so we want to want to parse that out a little bit uh, because we have to know about the the individual parts to actually appreciate how they all come together as one large thing that we sometimes just refer to as art or design. Um, so yeah, I think today's a, a really nice day. We've got a great person in the studio with us. So, um, who isn't, who is a person, but in, but also a part of a organization who also does uh, host many, many significant events. So kind of a nice, uh, who has a, a, a pulse on a lot of different, aspects I think of what's been happening in Richmond and I think uh, a lot of what's happening in Richmond is happening in a lot of other vital cities as well and so um, again like even though this is a you know Richmond centric conversation a lot of the application I think are a lot of the relevant talking points are, uh, apply to any um, any city that's actually aspirational or thriving in uh, in one way or another when it comes to art making and you know supporting and building out so yeah definitely um, so yeah, so I'm excited because this particular person uh, is a is a I don't know if I should say it is a former student of mine from a long time ago, and we we've become uh, very very best friends, dear dear friends, um, and 
have got to see this person grow and, and just do a lot of work over the years that has had incredible impact. Um, so we have with us Ian Hess and Ian, uh, had an, an incredible show called Prometheus rising at Shaco art space some time ago. Um, and, uh, before the podcast started, so we couldn't get him on sooner, but, um, there's so much to cover with, with Ian that we're probably not going to do it all in one episode. And so, uh, this is probably the first of many. And, um, Ian, uh, is a part of a gallery collective, uh, with, uh, Wing Chow and, um, Eli McMullen, um, and Ian himself, uh, called Endeavor. And so that is expanding and growing and they're, uh, moving locations to a bigger and better space, uh, in the arts district on broad street in Richmond, uh, Virginia. And, uh, currently are doing, uh, what looks like really incredible exhibitions at black Iris gallery as a kind of collaborative in the, in the short term. And so tons of work being done, uh, there. And, um, just also by way of introduction is Ian has worked and he can get into this, uh, on, uh, several mural projects here in the city of Richmond with other major muralists. And so, uh, he's got an inter- interesting intersection between, uh, running a gallery, um, spearheading a lot of different projects and events and intersecting with a lot of people. Uh, and so we want to talk about that today. We we're interested in, uh, actually hearing from Ian, but also talking, uh, specifically about some of the the dialogue around, um, around murals in the city and around, uh, some of the issues, uh, that, that are sort of being hatched out or need to be hashed out in conversation, but also, uh, some of the great benefits to public art. And there's just a whole milieu, milieu there. So, um, we're going to go into that today. We think that's a part of the equation of this bigger discussion we're having. And so, so welcome Ian. Yeah. Welcome Ian. Thank you so much. That's the longest introduction I've ever had. I know I was trying to see how far I could take it. <laughs> Just keep it rolling. I feel like the and WWE Ian, platform was slowly rising up. Yeah, the yeah, whole yeah. Time. I was, you know, I was about to preach, uh, like on Ian. <laughs> I can I'm actually go. sitting in my chair, sweating and forgetting. I like, I'm like, why am I sweating? And I was like, I felt like maybe I was gaining weight on, like, as I talked, and and then it was like, oh, I'm wearing a sweat. I'm wearing a sweater, and it's hot in here. That's why we turned the air conditioning off. Oh uh, man. Well, yeah, I can yeah. only hope what we share today lives up to an induction introduction that's like yeah not an induction though an induction yeah. maybe Inductive later reasoning yeah also can't forget a part of the collective um because yes. he'll yell at me uh, that's right nicholas sorry. d'souza Tell, all tar- good sorry nicholas nicholas d'souza eli mcmullen and wing chow they're my squad yeah yeah nicholas is vital that's right he holds it all together yeah um, nicholas is your glue er, yeah he immensely so he's the the angel that showed up at the front door i'm pretty day. sure nicholas owes me like 250 bucks oh. i just ask him about it it's on know. the air this is controversial this yeah. is breaking news yeah just Talk to him about it. <laughs> <laughs> he might give you some pushback on that. Yeah, I mean, I'm ready. <laughs> Coming with the facts. Um, but yeah, it's it's so good to be here. Thank you, guys. Uh, it's weird listening to your voices the night before and then to be within your voices. And it's the super headphones. weird, right? Yeah. It's it's within my brain now. Yeah. yeah. In it's the same strange. space. It's, it really is. It's all, it's all strange. But we're super thankful. I mean, you know, yeah. We think this... Uh, format and medium is pretty important so we're glad to be a part of the matrix of podcasters out there sharing information and and trying to trying to peel back layers and invite people into uh, a a as honest a conversation as we can we can bring based on where we're at um so um so tell us a little bit like what's been, so before we get into the topic um you want to share just kind of what's been going on lately with you like 
studio? What what have you been doing? What you what have you been up to? It has been a time of uh, a lot of growth simultaneously is happening, um, existing in a constant uncomfort zone of sorts, uh, including coming onto this podcast. This being my first podcast for sure is uh, just an area of of growth that's happening simultaneously. So there's been a move, first of all, that happened. The studio that we were in for four years, all of a sudden, uh, realtors from LA just came through and decided to buy the space. And uh, I found out from the behind the scenes that they were talking to um, the owner and they found out the price and they said, that's not enough. Mm-hmm. Double it. I'm like, which is such a bizarre. They just literally times the price by two. Mm, this is not good enough for me. Double <laughs> the price and then it shall be mine. And that's what happened. And so that happened however many months ago. Um, so real guess, fast. Like before, so one thing that if, if people are listening, your studio also served as what? Gallery space. So we were putting on first Friday shows for okay. the past four years. Um, and How many artists was, were you getting in there on average into a show? Average. Um, if you had to say like a number. Broad. Near the end is uh, 12 to 15. Gotcha. For, it was a thousand square foot little dingy triangle basement that was on the, this kind of this bottom floor. Uh, just so happened to be on the way to Gallery 5. Um, which is a huge epicenter here yep. in Richmond. Um, they've been at, been at it since the beginning. So shout out to Gallery Five. S- shout out Holding to Gallery it Five. Down. That's right. Uh, yeah. And I think their existence, in a large part, was the reason that people were coming out and seeing it just just by proximity. Because I don't know how does a, an unknown um, kind of dusty cobweb basement all of a sudden become a studio art collective that has some level of yeah. How would you say on average uh, for an opening, how many people were kind of tracking through there if you had to like throw a rough number out? Uh, I'm generous with the numbers. Eli always gives me pushback, but I say it's probably around a thousand. And Eli would say, dude, come on. It's like more like, like, it's like 500, maybe, maybe 500, (laughs) maybe. (laughs) That's right. And, uh, but it it was crazy. We were just kind of stuffed into this little spot and there was no AC at all. Um, so during the winter it was shivering. (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> trying to paint fast enough wet, before wet it was brushes. freezing wet yeah. brush. and it during the summer it was burning hot we're sweating and there's just no in between there's yep. no climate control and sort of just the outside was just coming in it's just porous brick in this space and all the studio that we had set up you know of however many paintings and all those paints and the carts and everything that's set up every single first friday we would take it all and pack it up into this tiny Yikes. room and sort of tetris it up uh into this tiny wood shop that was in the back and completely clean out the whole front space. We had a little like table and a shop and we just put up artwork from either people we were working with and that kind of, or we started with ourselves and that grew into themes from there. We started theming with people having, you know, multiple, multiple people joining in and collaborating with us on shows and to doing mural shows in this space. And uh, we just recently, like I said, did the transition. We did our four-year anniversary show. It's called Bon Voyage. And uh, I think we had 17 artists for that. And again, it's uh, quality over quantity. It was something that yep. was was like richly good to be stuck in the middle of. And the overwhelming support, you know, kind of when you're just on the tracks and you're just going one way, you kind of have blinders. Because so often it was working from month to month. You right. would, uh, The moment the one show was done, I was like, all right, so what's the next one going to be? Um and that, that sort of work process has just been beat into me at this point that when it kind of stops and the wave and the, the water settle and there's no more waves, it's, uh, 
you kind of get a sense of like, oh, people were actually resonating on like a real level and people were showing up and uh, being like, I hope this keeps going on. And so in this transition, I, I was faced with that 10 month period of figuring out when the transition began and I found out that the place was um, sold. I was like, well, either this stops completely or um, we go big. And I decided to go big. And we just recently have um, gotten a property here in Richmond, right in the Richmond Arts District, across the street from Black Iris Gallery that you mentioned earlier, which is another synchronicity in itself. It's it's nutty, the, the lineup of things. So I've been simultaneously working on the space, moving into it, renovations galore, and setting up our most recent show it was called The Endeavor Order that we did. It was a theme show. It was loosely based off the theme of... Uh, embracing the shadow um which can mean a lot of things which it definitely did the way the show turned out the first order from star wars the first order <laughs> yeah he's a jedi <laughs> it's too good it's too good man. young skywalker execute order 66 <laughs> uh yes I'm, I'm <laughs> this space is <laughs> quite operational yes uh, I hope that wasn't too much of a tangent, but I, well, I tried to sum that. up. If yeah, anybody knows, I Ian, go on, you're going to get tangents. Uh, I go on tangents. Ian tangents more than Gareth and I do by a long shot. Believe it or not. <laughs> Believe it or not. Ripley's with Um That's a probably quick capsule no, review yeah. of the past couple months and a little bit more. Right. Yeah. And so in there, so, I mean, I want to get to this later, but the, um, you know, there's these different realms that we work in, gallery spaces, public spaces, and and I, I was keyed in because I, uh, you know, you did a, a mural show in the gallery. Right. Can you talk yeah. about that? Uh, so we, I was just talking to um, Christina Wing Chow. She's also my roommate, has been for the last uh, Christina is amazing. two years. Incredible artist. Shout out. Um, she, yeah, she's we'll absolutely have Christina one on of my, someday. please do. Yeah. Um, she's one of my best friends on this planet. And uh, I remember uh, for a lot of our shows, we were literally sitting on a couch much, much like this Coella DeVille Transformer couch that I currently sit on, coming up with um, ideas for shows. And we were just kind of writing down things that we wanted to happen, like whether it was just the idea or the the concept behind it. And then we just have a good time coming up with uh, names for it. And I was just arguing with Christina of who came up with the name for Wet Walls that we called it. Uh, it was the name of the series. It's been three years running. Um and uh, she thinks that she came up with it. And uh, I'll go <laughs> ahead. I think we were talking about like the we're it's going to be last minute. So at the time, the walls will still be wet. And then at that point, she was like, we should call it wet walls, which, you yeah, know, it's great. I really like the name. That's collaboration um, right there. That's collaboration. And it's finest. Finest. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Bro. you and uh, so, yeah, it's um, it's not a ton of square footage. Like I said, there's a there's one wall or two. It's a weird triangle. I don't even know how many walls are. It's kind of three and a half walls are, are completely exposed brick. Or it's so old and so many layers of paint that by the end of it, it was these thick chunks that were just falling off the walls and the, the bottom of the floor was like growing these like yellow barnacles. This is this is truly oh, what the space wow. looked like. So the amount of times we've gone over and we actually cut back into the wall and leaving and you could peel back and see this, this like rainbow slice of chunk that was just all the different layers, of, awesome. layers of paint that we'd done on it. Because um, there's plenty of things we just painted on the walls. But, anyways, I really go off on tangents. Um, so you, I hope so I'm you did it. So how did you, how did you get? Um, what motivated the idea of doing murals in the gallery? Um, starting a mural career is 
hard um, to take someone's public space and they, they own it. It's their building or maybe it's a, a restaurant or something that people come and own to. If you don't have a thorough resume uh, or something to show up with, that's very concrete. I mean, you're just never, you're ne- it's never going to begin, you know? Mm. So there was a little of like, what do we want for ourselves? And um, each of us on some level very much wanted to do uh, murals. So it's like, well, we have this space and there's these walls here. Why don't we just start painting the walls um, and load it up? And that's one of those shows is it's really difficult to pull off because there's no funding at all for anything like that. And the, the gallons upon gallons of paint that you have to put up or just find. I mean, we've got like oops paint for days and it's just just stacks of like bad colors and such. But, you know, if you want something particular, you're going to have to invest in that. And it's just putting it up on the walls and spending a month doing it. And then at the end of it, we have to paint it back white with mm. a, a huge gallon of paint, which also isn't funded. And then paint it over three, four layers because we're getting bad white paint and uh, do the same thing each time that we do it. And uh, so just deciding to do it was like, well, I want to be able to go to places and I want to show something. Show them what you guys have done, yeah. like what you're capable or of. Or at least, I mean, because that the murals that we did were often just very collaborative and a spur of the moment. And let's just put this here. This will be funny. Load this up. And uh, they were less so kind of um, articulated spe- specifically for each artist. But we did do a couple shows where we segmented each wall. And, um, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. That's picking it up. But... Um, and segmented each wall and made it more particular to each person. And like, this is something I'd want to add to my resume. Mm-hmm. And that sort of grew just to, um, we did a wet walls with like eight people. One time we did an all black and white wet walls where I think that was 13 artists and everybody was kind of doing like tattoo flash inspired line work, um, different varying line widths and, and scenes and little things peeking up around corners and on the ceiling. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. So you, um, you, you guys start doing these shows and then you get, who are some of the muralists you hooked up with to start doing work in the, in the city? Um, I really don't want to forget anybody. So, no uh, all forgiveness for anyone who was a part of it. I love you all the same. Um, I had one opportunity is, is literally just the way of Richmond existing as like a interconnected city is uh, one day right out front of the studio. Uh, I went outside and Michael Broth was sitting there and he was painting a ping pong table. And um, I was like, well, I know you're where I recognize you as a human being. Um, and I just started talking to him and he was listening to a podcast about World War One, and just going in. And he's like, yeah, it's like as I'm listening, I'm just like painting the battles onto this in his own like beautifully abstracted and sort of graphic infused way. Um, and I was like, hey, do you want to just like come in for a slice of pizza? And we ended up just talking. So fast forward, that was he was one of the muralists like Emily Herr mm-hmm. has been a part. Um, oh, my gosh. It's so many people. Um, let's see. We've had Chase Beasley. He goes by Crud City. If you're in Richmond, you'll see a Crud City sticker in, in anywhere. There, mm-hmm. I've seen some down here at Chaco. Um, uh, obviously, Eli and Christina. Um, we had an old member... Uh, two old members, Alexander Whiteway and Eddie Gonzo. I don't know mm-hmm. if you've ever met them. Um, it's it's such a, a plethora of, of just good people. Yeah. yeah. And so Michael, Michael Broth is, is pretty fantastic. I mean, for those yeah. that don't know, he's pretty, pretty he, phenomenal. He's a nutty creator. He's a he's, machine. You mentioned somebody in a previous podcast, and you're like, they're, they just... Even if I don't talk to them, I know they'll be making. Yep. You know, just no matter what. That's and right. Michael's one of those people. Yep. It's like all of a sudden he'll, he just unveiled 
what was it yesterday or two days ago it was a river sculpture that is installed in the river it's this metal sort of like painterly mark that's just emerging out from the water and i was like there was just like no warning you know he's like yeah i just did that yeah yeah yeah. my man yeah he's he is (laughs) he he makes almost as fast as he breathes it's 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 nutty yeah Yeah, going to a studio he built his own studio in the back too it's like simultaneously a garage interior huge two-story space he just built it in his backyard and did like black concrete on the ground just loaded up and he's like well i've always wanted this so i just built it crazy okay so crazy (laughs) He's that, he's that person. Yeah. And he did that mural, the mural book project. Yeah, Murals of Richmond. Yeah. Uh, I was just looking at that last night to make sure I didn't forget as we were talking about murals today. I just the, the amount and the influx of Richmond is such a fertile city for art. It's like the amount of mural things that have just spontaneously begun in the city. I was like, I was figuring about more. Like I've been a part of a few of them. I've learned about it, but I'm continually learning from people just how many different mural projects have going on and how many hundreds of murals that have, have been covered up and old graffiti that used to be just everywhere and uh, has since been destroyed or the building's been destroyed or it's been covered up. Yeah. And there was a crackdown back in the day, which, um, yeah, many people can attest to being on the inside of the slammer about that. Yeah. Yeah. With the graffiti stuff. With the graffiti yeah. stuff. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's a whole discussion on there's a whole tension there, you know, that's one of the things that, I mean, gosh, there, I don't know. You got any thoughts, Gareth, you got anything churning or you want to, uh, I mean, there's a lot of things, uh, a lot of places I think I could go with this. Um, you know, one of the things that actually was a huge draw when I came to visit Richmond to see if this is where we were going to move, um, was the, the public art in terms of a lot of the murals that were there. Um, there was something about it that resonated and it, and it, it communicated a certain vibe about the city that you don't get in other ways. Um, so there was something really fantastic about it. So being here the last eight years and seeing more and more murals pop up and more stuff being done, it, it's still one of my favorite things about the city that I'll drive somewhere and I'll be at a red light that maybe I haven't stopped at very much before. And then I look over and I'm just like, Oh, there's a nice little mural just <laughs> peeking at me from around that corner. That's and it's right. beautiful, yeah. you know, and it's, um, it's, it's also one of the things that I like to do in large cities like New York is walk around the city and just see where you can find the stuff just peeking out at you. Um, and it actually makes your interaction with the city uh, feel much more personal. And that's something that I think is fantastic about it. Yeah, I definitely think it individuates the city. Not that, not that, so I mean, you're talking about layers that compound a specificity to a place. And so I think, you know, when you talk about art, you know, we've hit at this in the past, but placemaking is a thing. Um, and specifying, uh, specifying, has a way of um, impacting us in uh, in scalable ways to the size of whatever that that is, and so there's uh, very indirect ways that we're being shaped and influenced. And so when we talk about culture making, a lot of times we press it down into numbers and economics, which is understandable. But there's also all the other phenomenological ways that um, that something works on a person, the effects, um, the difference between a building that is you know, maybe painted like jet black, I'm just making this up, versus like a bright yellow building is going to have a different mood setting effect on the average person passing by repeatedly. Um, Just like entering into that space and then you get into the complexity of the kinds of people that are more inclined to one or the other. And, you know, it's a a pretty uh, escalating kind of phenomena that has to do with making cities and like thinking about 
habitability of a, of a space, uh, hospitality of a space? Um, does it feel more insular to the people living in the city? Does it, does it actually feel like it's open to uh, new people? Does it feel so transient that there is no inner core kind of community vibe to it, you know, that, that distinguishes the city from another? Um, you know, I always use like the strip mall idea, you know, that it has all yeah. these, it has certain hallmarks, but it eviscerates others. So it has this hallmark of accessibility and welcome, but it actually has no depth core identity that is distinct or, or indigenous to a place. Um, and, and even though the people living in that area may work there, uh, they can't overcome the, the top layers of, uh, cultural expression that are meant to, uh, make it ubiquitous so that you feel like no matter where you go in America, you're, you're somewhere familiar. And so there's, I mean, there's certainly, a, I mean, there's good intentions in that initially, like, you know, when you go back to look at the explosion of that, of that kind of approach from the eighties into the nineties, this idea that we want people to feel welcome and familiar wherever they go is actually a really interesting idea. But then you live on the unintended consequences of that, which is sort of an evisceration of a lot of the flavor, the local flavor, the local color of a place. And so these are like these, these um, serious tensions that uh, I think are really important in a discussion like this, you know, so even listening to you talk, you know, um, we hit on with Ian, we hit on Gareth and I hit on this uh, a couple episodes ago, talking about um, what happens to um, artists move into places in, in resilient ways and are able to cultivate and bring specifying power, enrichment and value to a space. And then what happens is you have outside investors move in because the, the property value is low and then they could they seize an opportunity and then they gentrify they they buy it up raise the prices and move out the thing that was the heart if you will we said this a couple of weeks ago Gareth and I it's like take the yeah. heart out of a body it dies and so you see these these kind of cyclical rhythms move through through cities and artists and designers are are playing a critical role in that ecosystem and our Gareth and I's I think desire is to try to figure out how to get conversations to happen that creates a more conducive space to not lose the artists designers that are making it a vital environment right to not yeah. move them out i was going to say it, it feels like in this conversation that our, our our critical thinking or criticality around it happens much later in the process than maybe would be ideal for actually the full flourishing of a community so we um just just as people in general just as we are you know our bodies are reflexive in the sense that you know we you know, you get hit by something, you kind of react. That's right. And we, we play that out, that, that physiological reality, we play that out into the spaces around us as well. So a lot of what we do becomes highly reactive. Um, and some of that is because life is, you know, a crazy messed up uh, web of a whole bunch of different activities and relationships and everything else. So at times it is hard to kind of just like draw back and say, how can we think well about this mm -hmm. going forward? Um, so I was reading an article, I don't remember if it was in Art News or Art Journal or something, but uh, I was talking about the fact that at one of the recent congressional sessions, there was absolutely no discussion. There was nothing on the calendar for that session that had anything to do about funding for art. So none of these big national art organizations had anything up there. And the, the conversation back and forth was, well, that's a good thing or no, that's mm. a bad thing. And what does that mean in terms of what public art is really kind of looking like? And a lot of folks said, you know, well, from time to time, Congress just really screws up a lot of things with uh, the discussion around art because they don't really get it and they're not going to want to be critical about it. So it's good if they're not talking about it because we can do what we need to do. Um, and other folks were like, no, we need to actually show that there's some sort of public support through 
what the government's actually doing for this because it's necessary and important and good uh, for communities. So it was it was just interesting because in the entire thing, both sides felt hugely reactionary instead of like critically looking forward for any sort of vision for like what this does, how it impacts, how it actually does something positive uh, within a city. I think I see that um, here in the city. Honestly, that's like trickle down ignorance at that point that it's showing up here in our city as well. Because you could say the public arts fund was recently like eviscerated mm-hmm. for something when for the the bus lane that happened here. Um, and I was recently at a a local forum that they were doing, which I really hope they do more of. Honestly, uh, it was at Gallery Five, and it lasted like an hour and a half. And naturally got cut when things were actually really getting to the heart of it. Um, yeah, because it actually takes that long to get into a conversation. Right, to, to warm up to it. And problems. people are like, oh, I can yeah. talk and people <clears throat> listen. Right. Uh, so it was, I mean, it was really good. And it was led by um, Hamilton Glass, uh, Michael Broth, and there was, sorry, I don't remember the name. It was someone who was on the board of the Public Arts Fund. And um, people, or Emily Her, I remember she asked a very specific question. Like, I didn't, even know you could go to the city and be like, Hey, I have a really cool project and you guys have a multi-million dollars just sitting there waiting to be used on projects and it's being used for nothing and like at all. And, uh, so finding out that it's, it's kind of being brought into something completely different. Um, it's tough, but there is, I think that discussion and something that you guys are just continually hitting on, um, is that this needs to be had and especially living in Richmond, which is so art centric. I mean, half of the advertising is how this place is like an art city. And then you get to the institutions of, okay, how's this existing out in just the city accessibility, things like first Fridays. And those things only happen because the sheer willpower of people being like, Hey, this is. It's going to be awesome, but it's an over-decade-long tradition that is... It's like Richmond becomes New York for a day. It's weird. Like, I couldn't get away from that fact last first Friday. I was so blown away. I'm like, it's just... You don't even have to advertise it. Like, people mm-hmm. are just like, it is first Fridays. And everyone goes out. And Broad Street looks like... It's like, is this the same city? I don't... People are dressing up, and everybody's getting fancy. Everybody's going out for hours and hours. And it's like five or six hours, Richmond is, is New York for a mm-hmm. day. And then it, it just disappears, and it's like, is there is there a larger branch of support? Like, are these things showing up in our local Congress? Is this thing... Conversations that are being happened with... Um, like the, the mayor, for example, or, or um, so on, every single institution that goes in the way and every single committee, you could say, I think largely the discussions aren't happening. And uh, they're like, well, the arts budget, I understand, is less than 1% that's going to it. But uh, yeah, we need to use that for bus lanes. I'm like, what? Like there's just that, that access and the discussion around it, as I think you guys are just championing out of here, uh, it just needs to continue to happen. We, we operate so much on zero-sum mentalities. Like so often where we say, I can do this, but only if I don't do this thing, right? Mm -hmm. So we can only have this bus line if we don't fund public (laughs) art, right? It's just a weird conversation, (laughs) uh, especially because uh, within the spaces uh, where I teach in terms of like creative practice and what that looks like uh, moving into like, uh, you know, creative businesses and things like that. um, One of the kind of, I guess to say it this way, one of the so-called rules of, of that sort of space is the idea of always using the yes and language. Right. And so it's, it's a, it's, it's more like what we've talked about in terms of generative, Mm -hmm. right? So there are things that can exist also alongside something else. 
you know, and it's a, and honestly, like, I think it shows in a lot of these conversations that zero sum mentality that we bring to it, I think shows like an absolute, absolute sort of, I don't know, just a, a lack or a lack, a lack of, or a lack of desire toward actually fusing what we do with some real creative and critical thinking. Well, no, I think make this stuff work. Yeah. I mean, I love that because you know, it's a, it's a, uh, starting a set. It's a, you, it's a starting posture of looking at uh, problems born out of these these apparent either or dilemmas as the opportunity you want. Yeah. So you're saying I want the opportunity to create this problem that appears to be an either or a dilemma, so that it can be a yes and a both end. Um, because in there, then you're infusing, um, you know. Uh, the, so. Th- this gets to like the, the the things that I'm constantly talking about that we talk about a ton over the years is this kind of idea of a holistic holistic culture making the total artist total designer holistic art holistic humanity like people being uh, one unified psychosomatic unity that that there's a way that things are fractured and the way that things are being brought together and so and so um, you know it's like uh, I was talking with someone last night and they were saying something similar they're like well this person over here seems to be decent at filming, but they're, um, they're, they would say they're more of an artist and therefore they lack technique. And this is somebody who's not an artist. So they were trying to process how to work with this person. And I was like, and, and they, they, so they started to push stereotypes forward, technique over here, artist over here. Yeah. And I was like, and he goes, well, and I said, well, this is how you get uh, what I find ghastly. Uh, I actually don't like when people say artsy. I've grown to be weary of that kind of casual language. And so I was like, this capitulates that stereotype. What you've done is you've bifurcated something and then you're expecting me to agree with your categories. And I was like, humbly, I don't. I was like, actually, what an artist is, is, is the two of those together in a way that is more substantial than what you realize. I was like, they're not yeah. separate. Uh, technique, te- technical understanding and artistry uh, are not necessarily separate from each other. Now, if you're listening and you're like, I ebb between one or the other, of course. But the idea that those are just utterly bifurcated um, is frustrating me because because it it allows people to typecast each other and say, well, uh, this creative person over here is really flighty and, and inconsequential, and we we pay him lip service. So then, when you get to these kinds of conversations, we're trying to process how do we introduce that person in there, and we don't because we need to make a bus line. Yeah. And I'm saying to you, no, there needs to be a, an elevated uh, call to artists and culture makers to not just to to be more than we are to think more deeply than we do to make more deeply so that we can stand in those kinds of conversations in, in, uh, put forward the problem with a solution that, uh, drives both home. So how can we artfully do both? How can we, how can we work together and rally more people behind, uh, issues of, of, um, mobility, uh, and aesthetic richness. And I think, I think it demands more. And I just think a lot of times we just don't, I mean, I say this, there is a level of person whose value system is, is entirely centered on the economy of their time and their money. And there's a ton of us. I mean, I think a lot of our audience listening, it probably feels the opposite. That says that there's actually more going on in the world. And um, so we need, we, need, uh, we need to understand the moment we're in. We need more cultural standard bearers, like kind of prophetic voices that can actually illuminate the issues and frame the discussions as an invitation for others to step in and go, you know what? you're actually making more sense than my starting assumptions. And um, you're saying it so loudly and so clearly and so consistently that I have to change my point of view. 
And, uh, you know, um, it's imperative in this discussion. Yeah, I definitely think it is. And um, <clears throat> are you all okay if I, I try to make a very roundabout point that hopefully will hit yeah, home, do but it. might Let's not? Let's go round. Let's go round and round. <laughs> okay. Like so, digital underground. So, um, you know, we've talked a lot about the fact that uh, within the context that we live, we don't fully understand how much we are shaped by the culture we're in, the society we're in, or even the kind of historical things that came before. We don't fully understand that. And some of that is because we cannot have a, a comprehensive knowledge of all this stuff. So we can't fully digest all of the things that are making us think something that we say is common sense, so to speak. So um, with what you're talking about, Ryan, like this is something that's been always a part of certain types of kind of art practice, especially if you start looking post-industrial revolution into, you know, the Great Depression, like that period, 1870, 1930. Uh, if we're looking at this spot, then what we start to see is you start to see in the space of like architecture and urban development, you start to see a lot of people who are doing what you're calling us to kind of do again. Mm -hmm. And they, so there are folks like Corbusier who were saying, Hey, there's ways we should envision this, envision cities. And in fact, he was even calling for things like, what if we just tore down all of Paris and started over mm. just to eviscerate the city? Let's do it because this seems broken, right? Like that's a weird thought, but it is somebody that is artfully stepping towards something. Mm -hmm. Now I would completely disagree with him from my historical point of view, um, for a lot of the reasons we've already talked about, but he was doing something. He was at least offering this sort of solution. Now that solution as, as well as some of the Beaux-Arts stuff that was going on in the city, beautiful movement in the early 1900s really gives us our ideas now of what a city is. Mm -hmm. So these visions that these folks were having in the late 19th century, uh, and early 20th century, they've actually now become kind of our, our ground zero for how we think about our city should look this way. Right. It should have this thing. Um, cause if it weren't for their visions of what a better city might look like, we couldn't have the critiques we're having now of Monument Avenue mm -hmm. because Monument Avenue came out of those. Right. And so, um, I think one point that's good to think about when we talk about public art, public spaces, the role of artists within this stuff is uh, we may actually think that cities are endpoints instead of living organisms that change and develop over time. Yeah. Um, so we're always trying to make the utopia, but we're not trying to actually live in the thing today. That's right. Say that again. Say that last part again. Unpack the uh, top. I just want people to not miss yeah. that. Talk about um, the difference. Well, so um, if we're if we're always trying to make the utopia, but we're not trying to live in the city that we have today, we have very different thought processes. Um, it's like trying to, I don't know, plan your own funeral mm -hmm. rather than go to your job today and actually do your work. You know, like what's the use? What's the point? Yeah. Um, the future is always a time period we can't live in, but we're very happy to dream about it. Yep. So what we like to do is we like to keep it at arm's length and say, oh, that's the perfect future. That's the utopia. That's the thing we're going for. That's the idealism. But then the question is, yeah, but what's the first step today? What's yep. the thing you're doing now? Right. Um, and what does that mean for the city around us? Um, and so that's when we start getting into something where we say, okay, if I want this kind of idealized society in the future, maybe I do need some city bus lines. Yeah. Maybe that's real helpful, but I probably also need something that's beautiful. Right. I probably also need something that makes people say when they get off the bus, Hey, this is a beautiful place. Look right. at that unique thing. Right. Oh, I'm actually in Richmond. I'm not in countless other cities around the country. Right. Well, take, take, I mean, I, I might be sort of veering off course from what you're saying, but it makes me think. So take, so 
to your point, go back to the history of graffiti. Um, people uh, take, well, let me even go further. Let me, let me just be a dad and use my kid for a second. My son, uh, Oliver loves to build like all of my kids do, but my girls don't tear things down in my home, but my son does. So uh, he gets, he gets singled out for this one. Sorry, Oliver. Um, he is ready to exercise his creative capacity and his, uh, he wants to be a part of something bigger than himself. All my kids do. They, they exhibit it all the time. He's interesting though, in that he will all like, he will tear down the house if he's not given purpose and direction. So his energy level is always going. The question is, which direction is it going into? So there is there a, a scaffolding he can grow up into? And I'm just noticing that as an observation with my kids. And so in some ways, I think about that with restless um, graffiti artists going back to the 60s, 70s uh, in major urban environments where the architectural environment, the, you know, the mobility and like the uh, transportation uh, modes, the trains, the elevations, the subway systems uh, become these in-between spaces that people are frequenting and in those spaces are eliciting a response and there's no category to talk about it. So you take someone who's being aesthetically uh, activated uh, almost accidentally and they're uh, feeling an unease or a lack of uh, sense of place and they're trying to establish themselves. I mean, I think about me and my friends when we were younger and you're, you're looking for opportunities and, and sometimes like, you know, so there's like spaces where graffiti terrorists terrorist, yeah, has torn down spaces and violated people's property and things. But there's also something there that we need to listen to uh, historically, which is people are meant to, to do stuff, I think, in purposeful, purposefully. And so um, there needs to be avenues that recognize the fact that like human beings tend to tear things down when they're restless. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and, and if they're not brought into a purpose of building things up, into a more holistic kind of wide ranging discussion on this with avenues to support and create that. I mean, uh, it, it works in two directions in, in, in powerful ways. It's unstoppable. And so, um, you, you, you can't stop it. And so, but you got to acknowledge the fact that, uh, there's a reason why people, uh, leave marks places and, and, um, there's a lot of psychology behind that. And, and I think, um, really sitting on that and saying like, uh, this is inescapable. Like we can't get around this. This actually is a part of, what we do. And so can the city become, you know, a lattice work for visual creativity that echoes and elicits more creativity from a watching world so that like, can we become mindful of the fact that when we build spaces, we actually elicit particular responses from people. And that's invariably what's going to happen, especially for anybody who's walking around in a space. And so we, we have to be able to see that as important and valuable because whether your budget says it or not, it is a fact and you will spend money cleaning up graffiti. Mm-hmm. So you don't have the budget for supporting the arts, but you do have the same budget to clean up uh, rogue expressions that frustrate whatever district. So it doesn't make sense. Um, and so we have to have a future forward as you're, as you're pointing to, but not utopia that divorces it from our immediate context and says, yeah, how do we walk this out? Actually, how do we actually acknowledge the diversity of people in our city who actually are, you know, like that's even the thing I think about people like growing up poor, it's like, okay, so you help somebody out of poverty. What are you helping them to? Like a lot of times we just go, well, I'm just going to help you. Well, okay. 
but what what are you inviting me into? What am I what am I being called into? What purpose am I being given? Yeah, what avenues am I being given to actually contribute? And so a lot of times we don't invite people into the contributing. We just have this altruistic, I'm going to save you complex thing. And because there really is a lot of uh, desperate needs that need to be met. However, uh, people's souls need to be nourished through creativity and, and art forms as well. And, and uh, it's just not quantifiable, man. And a lot of the people that move up into the top ranks of your, your you know, Congress and things like that, they are swimming in aesthetic deprivation. You know, in their assembly halls and everything else, it's stuffy and dry. And God bless them for the work they're doing when it's done honestly, but yeah, they don't understand that they're also uh, deprived aesthetically. And I mean, my know. gosh, like e- even back to the point about like city beautiful and what mm-hmm. it was doing. I mean, our, our most pristine example of city beautiful is the central part of Washington, DC. Mm-hmm. I mean, the entire thing was built to be, I mean, right now, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of a fantastic metaphor in that space. Just as you walk around the mall in DC, it's a beautiful place with a lot of historic things. So don't hear me just bashing like Washington, DC. That's not what I'm saying. Um, but what I am saying is it is a part of a city that was built to never change. Mm-hmm. It is a part of a city that is built to ha- be ideologically visual. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what that looks like is you have a mall in D.C. that's surrounded by all these museums and effectively entire space has become a museum. In it's a, in yeah, itself. a monument museum, which means we're done. Yeah. I'm a, I memorialize the space, which means we're done. And, yeah. and if you go into that space, you find that there is a lot of antiseptic behavior that happens. Yep. So there is kind of something that feels when you're there somewhat stifled. And so there are different uh, festivals throughout the year that I think kind of let some of that down. But um, I, that's that's not the city I want. But that's the that's the progression of the city. If we're talking about things where we don't have public art. Yeah. Where we have uh, building codes that are so strict that nobody can ever paint their house except for three shades of a color. That's right. You know, I mean, that's, 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 for traditionalism that's gone wrong. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Let's live in the past. But while we have people that are desperately trying to lay the past to rest and heal from it, it's a, it's a, it's a wild kind of conundrum. Um, I'm curious what, when you had this, uh, you know, when you had this, um, uh, this two hour at, uh, discussion at uh, gallery five, what were, what were some of the, talking points, if you can recall, like what was, what was some of the debate? Was there a debate? Was there, you know, what was the flow of conversation at a high, at a, you know, kind of general level? Well, as I want to say, there was a lot of crossover with what we're talking about right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of it isn't articulated, uh, to the point that it needs to be because there's, there's so many voices in the room, sort of o- open forums can, um, just conglomerate conglomerate around one or two voices because it's difficult to have a conversation with nine people at the same time. Um, but with it being opened and people talking about Richmond moving forward, I think there's like, there's a real sense that Richmond, there's something really good going on right now, mm-hmm. whatever, no yeah. matter way you, uh, you break it down. It is, there's so many just alcoves of creativity and just monuments coming up that, uh, or like even personal monuments, not necessarily in the, in the longstanding Washington DC way, but from murals going up to that desire and there's people seeing murals happen and, and continually there's more graffiti tags coming up because people like there is that real hunger for that. So finding a place that's a cultural epicenter like gallery five and to open it up and have a few muralists being like, Hey, I was there and I made this real and I made this my life. Um, was just an amazing uh, discussion. And with the Public Arts Forum, um, 
head or spokesperson being there, people were able to ask some more boring questions. And honestly, there was there was a lot of frustration. And like I was saying, worry that Richmond's just being bought up in mm-hmm. spots. And like, yeah. it's, um, if you're a Richmond native and you want to get a building or are thinking about it, please do it now. Yeah, do it now. If that's my call to action from this, <laughs> <laughs> this podcast, is that uh, please do that. Because there's so many Richmond natives that uh, had an amazing thing going on and happening everybody loved it and uh obviously financial things can be a trouble with running that but then all of a sudden will come through someone will come through and be like i'm gonna pay double the property value so i can get this it's an emerging market so someone comes through and and will just buy these places and so the genuine aspects of the 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 locality and something that maybe the community has been hungering for will, will pop up in a space and next thing you know one year two years Later, it's something completely different. And I remember the building across from Endeavor. Um, I think it's now a salon of sorts. In that four years we were there, it was seven different businesses. Wow. I, I was like, holy cow. So in this discussion at Gallery 5, uh, there was a lot of talk about murals. Um, and there seems to be also a simultaneous worry and the understanding of the energy and the hunger to put up and beautify the city that there are people wanting to on some level control what's going to go up yeah. you know what i'm saying that just comes with bureaucracy so i was talking about it a little bit earlier i was like I, there's a desire to for the conversation to evolve but at the same time for these creative acts and for murals to be happening i don't want bureaucracy to just be sitting there and it'd be like um could you satisfy my tastes could you just like change that color to my favorite color instead and like there's a there's a real worry of those things happening so like where's the fine line in between bureaucracy is going on, there's need for sustainability in a city, and there's these rich creatives that are happening, and like there's got to be some level in intersection. And I honestly think more conversations like that, if it can happen more regularly, um, would be nothing but healthy. I do remember that um, near the end of it, when it started to get more intense, um, Nils Westergaard, he's another local name drop, no, another local <laughs> mural maker. Uh, here he's uh, such a such an awesome guy. I've had the opportunity. I did a collaborative mural with him, and one of his murals because he's done he's one of the the like top seven here in the city that he's got tons of murals all over the place. And I remember this guy he hadn't said anything the whole podcast and he's kind of or the whole discussion and he was sitting in the back kind of with like his arms crossed, kind of frustrated, on the furrowed brow. And uh, near the end he's like, "Yeah, but what if a mural goes up and I don't like it?" And uh, everybody's you know, it's, it all goes to this guy. So this, the, the emotion takes over the room, no matter where you are in the room of most brilliant scientists, someone comes in hyper emotional, it's going to that person. And so that happened. And, you know, I just kind of spoke up at the moment. I'm like, I would love to make work that was universally acclaimed, never pissed off anybody. And everybody loved it. I'm like, is there a mural that you made recently that everybody loved, you know? So there, well, put it, see, the thing is that, uh, go backwards into their commonplace experience. Is there anything, anything right in your life that universally any brand, everyone any loves any yeah. taste, Nothing. any dish. So, <laughs> so real. That's I mean, actually, how many days do you like sit there and you have a shirt on? And you're like, do I actually like this shirt? Right. Yeah. And, and even, even yeah, apply that to yourself. Out. Do you like yourself every day? Right. So, so it's just an utterly impossible, um, uh, mindset, right? So, but here, yeah. so but here's what's lost in there. So, see what happens is because that's that's kind of a a mind numbing kind of like ugh, it it clouds the real discussion. Is right. there is there things though? 
Okay, so here's where my here here's where I will uh, f- uh, sort of lay some of my cards out. I have seen incredible murals go up, and because there's a lack of uh, discussion in the arts, broadly speaking, um, or a lack of criticality, broadly speaking, then it that kind of problematic layer bleeds through into things like murals. Because I've walked down the streets, and I'm I'm going to offend somebody by saying this, but I've seen I've actually seen uh, terrible murals. Uh, executed at a level that uh, I would have done a better job as a 16 year old. And I'm like, that person has no business doing this, but because we have a, everybody can be an artist mindset without differentiation, then you you do get both. And so the finer discussion is on, to me, it's not so much whether I like it or not, but is there some, some um, curatorial bent, which is possibly an impossible discussion. It's it's possibly impossible. Um, or there needs to be more regionalized discussions just on, on, um, you know, it's like why we do this podcast, like, well, we want to, uh, marinate in a space for a long time. So we're like, you know, Gareth and I are in it for the long haul as far as having dialogues, which is why we're not hastily trying to exhaustively cover everything, uh, in one episode or even, even the first season, because it's going to take time to marinate in thinking on this. Like both Gareth and I have been overly educated in the arts probably for a long time and so a lot of our opinions don't come uh quickly or out of nowhere they're they're seasoned over you know for me it's like over 20 plus years and there's also and, the the knowledge that within that even in the conversation that new knowledge comes about 100 you know, there's a way that like what you bring to the table and what i bring to the table actually can turn into other ideas we didn't have before yeah and expose greater ignorances yeah um so the more the, the, the philosopher's circle the more you know the more you realize you don't know kind of thing and like that's a very real fact of our, our our finitude that we're ontologically finite beings that necessarily are contingent upon circumstances that enable us to know and therefore that knowing enables us to know to a greater extent what we don't know which becomes the opportunity for creativity yep. and so um without those kinds of conversations then we can't even get to the realm of possibility of like what curating a, 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 cur- a citywide curatorial yeah. standard yeah, right. that has variegation to it, that actually has qualitative degrees, but does also say, hey, listen, uh, uh, Bebop's, um, you know, I, dude, I'm just going to be honest. One day I was walking by the train station where the, the bus station was, and most the, of the murals over there were really good. You know that? that GRTC gosh, bus yeah. depot? Yeah, remember that? Is that? I do. That's where I did my okay. first mural. So actually. there was a lot of good ones there. But I was walking down the street, and descriptively there is a, I'm just describing the person. They had they had longish hair, uh, thin mustache, and a like a berayish kind of hat with overalls and their pant legs pulled up. And I felt like they were capitulating what they thought an artist was in a very very embarrassing and stereotypical way. So they're looking at this picture, and this picture is one of the crummiest. Please give me the benefit of the doubt by being expressing a strong opinion if you're listening. It truly was one of the crummiest looking images and not even like in a like a Martin Kipper, Kippenberger, Albert Ullin sort of neo-German German expressionism or whatever. Like it wasn't even ironic. It was sincere and terrible. And they were trying to paint a bad reference image onto the side of a building and then they were more interested in seeing if I would notice them and want to come talk to them. And I was like, I have no interest in talking with you because you're not capable of actually enduring a real conversation about why you shouldn't be painting that on the side of a building. Now, here's the thing. The thing was so terrible, they didn't finish it. But then I had to look at it for a year and then they covered it up. And it was 
horrible. It was like this carousel and these horses, and it was incomplete. The person didn't know what they were doing, so they didn't know how to solve the problems, and it was a problem from the start. And it's like, who gave that person the chance to do that? And here's the thing. Was it the end of the world they did it? No. But what happens is a lot of other people see that, that are operating at the same level, and then that propagates a measure of that happening. And then there's a watching world that goes, I don't want that on my wall. Right. Which affects the mural. 100%. Then it, throughout the city. Then, then like, is now this going to go yeah. up? So because we're not having a critical dialogue, or let's just say it another way, we're not regulating ourselves enough, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Then, then someone else feels like they have to without all the categories either. And so then they say things like, well, what if I don't like it? There actually is a reason for them to possibly be saying that. Right. They just don't have the categories to. Reasons. Yeah. So they don't have the categories <laughs> to express it. Yeah. And it's like we should be saying that for ourselves and not feeling like we're going to lose ground in actually doing excellent work in the city. You see what I'm saying? So we have to be the ones to say, no, you're not ready. Here, let me give you, let me create a, a mural. Let's create a mural uh, training space. Which, I mean, at least locally, I've never heard of that existing. Um, I've only been able to semi break into, I'm at no point would, um, say I have a massive resume. Like, sure. I've, I mean, like maybe well, it doesn't, you, but you have, but, but you have, so here's the thing though. This is the other thing. You don't want to make a categorical fallacy. What you actually have is demonstrated abilities to, 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 uh, paint and create images and a work ethic that acknowledges the fact that you've, you've had to grow. So, so you look at your resume through the work you've created and you can see a logical progression of actual growth and you're not uh, so ignorant as to think that you've arrived and therefore, uh, Everyone just needs to see the first thing you ever painted. You see what I'm saying? Totally. Yeah. I'll so th- that is, that. yeah, yeah. Nice that, so, so you don't want to disconnect that. But like I grew up in Los Angeles, so I've seen a lot of great murals and great graffiti. So when you come here, sometimes you're like, we got a ways to go. Um, and I grew up hanging out in Venice Beach and there are mural walls where people are free to practice. And I think Richmond desperately needs that. Needs and then it. it needs some, needs some uh, uh, of the veteran voices to create discussions on like, let's think about this. Let's talk to architects. Like let's, we need to have conversation. We should be having these conversations. I mean, I agree. I was going to say something along the lines of, uh, tangent in, in beginning and <laughs> in, in beginning of doing it. Um, when I first left my job, um, I was doing paint night. Hello ladies coming through oh, and doing like 50 stories, shots. Uh, yes. I've got, I've got tra- some paint night stories. Yeah. Hello everybody open up 40 people teaching a terrible painting in, in two hours and every time i say the word blue they're throwing back a shot by the end it's like that's so fun but um so when i quit my job i, I basically set um uh a, or in order to quit my job i set myself a, a a standard i wanted to meet and when i first started my series that eventually became uh prometheus rising here at shaco art space um i made two paintings and it was our December show, and uh, it's when I first met Nick D'Souza. It was the first show we ever did with Nick each other. D'Souza. Nick D'Souza. He, we did this amazing, there were like three um, philanthropic efforts that were going on, and it was all, show, uh, all work based around um, just the color red had to be mm-hmm. infused into it somehow. It was like loose enough, and it worked in the, the theme of the time. And so I made two paintings. I was like, if these sell tonight, I'll quit my job tomorrow. And uh, I just I just had like that. the '80s song in my head. You know that song, "Take Me Home Tonight." If these sell tonight, <laughs> I'm gonna quit my job tomorrow. <laughs> if these sell tonight, I'm gonna be a painter. 
Wow. Sorry. Be a pen baby. <laughs> Record drops next week. Um, and I... God. I'm sorry. So, <laughs> that was really. So I'm not sorry at all. I'm not sorry at all. That's a song. Yeah. Um, that's beautiful. <laughs> so you were saying. So if these sell tonight. Uh, if these sell tonight, <laughs> and I was singing that, and people were like, "I, I that resonates with me." On a real 80s deep level. Yeah. And somebody uh, ended up coming through and they, they bought the two paintings. Um, it was one of my friends. He That was how he basically was becoming a real collector in that moment too. And uh, so I went to my job and I, I quit. And I, I posted online like, hey, I'm doing this full time. I'm diving into Endeavor. I remember I'm that. I'm going to start um, doing this to the, the maximum of my ability. There's no sort of going back full, full steam ahead. And uh, after I did this... Um, it's uh, from my few experiences with Michael Broth. He ended up reaching out and he's like, listen, I know you've expressed interest in this and I've got a bunch of jobs coming up. Um, I'll sort of, you can join me and I'll show you the ropes. And I mean, you know, I, I was flabbergasted from that. I was completely blown away. And I was like, yep, you can, that's a guarantee. So doing that and learning, it was sort of like he was able just just simply exposing and being like, here's the ropes. There's some level of professionalism that goes in. Here's how I'm engaging with um, with businesses, with places and working with people tastes or people's tastes and the ownership of. And, you know, there's frustrations and difficulties um, galore that go along with that. But it was simply seeing it that I was able like, all right, I have enough of a, a foundation that mm-hmm. I can grow. And then from that, you know, I've, I've gone to businesses and did a, a mural not too long ago at this place called the, the Greek on carry, awesome. which is mm-hmm. the best Greek food I've ever had. Oh my God. We just um, ate, they give you a mountain of food. It's, it's a mount. It's we, absurd. We sat in front of that it's, mural it's and ate Laura that, and I, that and rises up. And, yeah, uh, so, and that there was a lot of level of, of trust and, I think also after Prometheus Rising, he's like, oh, you you can paint sometimes. And I was like, yes, please let me do this. I've been trying that to do it. That show was hot. So yeah. it was- <laughs> did you guys do a trust fall? Did you did he, did he you fall into him? And he's like, okay, I trust you. Yeah, but it was yeah. into a plate of feta yes, instead. Okay. It was like, wow, this is, this is the welcoming mat. Um, but it's so in that engagement, I'm saying like there's, there's some level of like, I think honor that goes into, which isn't a word that really pops up anymore i just don't yeah. hear it talked yeah. about a lot but there it's i think it's honorable to do a mural well like it's it's Agreed. hugely massively physically excruciating task i mean when it really starts to get large and it's pushing the hours and you have a week to do it and normally you know i'll spend like 100 hours on a painting or something and all of a sudden he's like yeah the most amount of time you have like six days and you can only work at 9 p.m beginning and i was like all right well <laughs> That's what it is. Got to do yeah. it. And so with that, that honor that happens, I think it's, I don't want to say a hierarchy that happens, but there's got to be, it's so difficult because how do you balance? There's the authority of space. I mean, it's a lot of kind of what we're talking about. Like who, who's the entrance way? Who yeah. let that mural up Here, there? Hey, here's the, here's the beautiful thing about uh, trying to be non-hierarchical. As soon as you say there's no hierarchies, you've established yourself as the top of the hierarchy. Right. It's sort <laughs> of a no logical fallacy. Yeah. yeah, you can't you kinda can't it get around to, it. Right. So Yeah. The question I mean, the, 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 the the more robust question is how do we work together in honorific ways, such as what you're saying, where there is a mutual benefit and we understand the roles we play because we're we, we actually have diplomacy and dignity and we care about each yeah. other and we understand intrinsic value. And so we actually create a productive society that doesn't deny the fact that 
there are hierarchies. I'm actually yeah. undermining my own belief in that right now. I don't know why I like put a buffer on it because I, I heard an amazing statement uh, that was <laughs> it, it was the the leading cause of inequality is success. And Shock. I was like, ooh, that's that's uh, that's heavy. I, I I think there's a lot to it, and there's a lot to unpack with that. But in the mural uh, context, sort of the the welcoming in, there are the people practicing, the people who've done thousands of walls, and then there's the people. I see what's going on. Join in on this thing, and working with them to understand. This is how you build out. This is how you start making images that last um, a long time. And like hopefully it sticks around. Like murals fade. Um, as does graffiti over time, as does, you know, the David exterior Bowie. buildings. Yeah, I mean, that's right. Celebrities fade. This, that's is, right. this is part of the equation. Bowie. Uh, Bowie. Uh, Bowie. Bowie. Bowie's in space. You're um, really good, Jean Michel. <laughs> I don't think I teach you anything. You're really good. You're rich, Bruno. <laughs> oh, my. Um, I'm, I had a thought, but I'm sorry. That yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. You were, you were going somewhere. I apologize. I was going dude. somewhere. Um, I'm sorry. I, well, I, I think, I think it's, what's it's fantastic, though, I think even some of the stuff you're talking about, Ian, like kind of pushes into some of our ideas um, that maybe we've absorbed throughout history but have not been critical of as well. Um, because you're, you're, you're pushing to something like, you know, you say hierarchy, but I'm sitting there saying, like, in what way and in, in, in what way and what people do artists actually serve and in what capacities? Because sometimes I think that we we like to, to elevate what we do. And, and, you know, this is a normal human activity. We're happy to elevate ourselves to a place where we say, oh, what we do is we, we elevate society and pull them to a better place, right? We, we are transcendental in some ways that we act on this mystical plane by making everything so beautiful and amazing. <laughs> and, <laughs> and at we best... we talk like this about it. <laughs> and at best, I'd say but that wait. we do, right? There's something true in that or we yeah. wouldn't talk about it. Yeah, the um, world is magical, 100%. But I think also, like... Uh, what it can do is it can change the scope of art to be so monumental that we forget to be microscopic. Yeah. So when we start talking about how does it actually impact our day to day? And so when you get to ideas like you've talked about Ryan, like, you know, we care about art because we care about the way our clothes look. We care about the the plates we have on our table. We care about, you know, how our houses are built. Like we care about this idea of art and design and things that are beautiful because yeah. it is a part of everything we do. Um, so I think it is one of those things where, um, we are not only in service to culture, but we are also in service to individuals, mm-hmm. you know? And so in that space, it's like, you know, you, you are actually doing a huge, like, uh, active edification for a person's business, you know, mm-hmm. like that's, and that's no small task, yeah. you know? And in that respect, there is a, it's heavy. a no, really people fantastic, eat under it. yeah, <laughs> you know? I mean, no, yeah, it's not, it's no cheap, it. it's no cheap thing. And so a lot of times what you see is people approaching it cheaply. Yeah. Because it's, it's selfish and, and so like they bifurcated culture and individuals and you're like actually persons comprise the making and production and the existence of culture. And so it's a both end. It's, it's like you said, it's microscopic, telescopic, zooming in and out and you need to have, I mean, I, you know, I'm feeling the tug to be more demanding, um, you know, even myself and, um, of us, like we talk, Gareth and I talk about this a lot. Um, even in a lot of the things that we're producing and making right now that we have coming on the horizon is like. I want to expect more of myself and, and of my yeah. colleagues and peers and not just, um, not that there's a static benchmark, but we all can qualitatively grow to be better thinkers in, in terms of zooming in and out telescopically, telescopically or microscopically. Like we actually need to, um, if we talk about solving world problems, 
in actually producing a better society, then we can't just sit there and post memes. You can't just do that. It, yeah. it's, it's, you, it's not enough by itself to just do that. You, you can't sit back, post them, even go about your day. You actually have to be changed. What about to, putting a bumper sticker on the back of your car? I that? mean, I, I'm all about throwing a Shackle Art Space sticker on the back of the car. I love those. Nice. We have some. If you want one, let us know, and we'd love for you to rock it. <laughs> Thank you. Send us your address, and we'll send it to you. Boom. Boom. <laughs> Put it on your car, and then post a picture of it, and mm-hmm. tag us on our Shackle Art Space Instagram page. Yeah, for real. Sorry, you just inspired me to do that. I mean, I think, oh, you know, yes. like with this, like, uh, uh, maybe this is slightly incendiary, but I mean, like, like memes didn't march on Washington in the 60s. You know what I mean? Nope. Like uh, bumper stickers didn't land us on the moon. Um, and so like all of those things, and that's not to say that, that's like, our next show. <laughs> bumper stickers didn't land us on the moon. Uh, spring 2020. Yeah. Um, so the uh, apply. <laughs> Sophia. But I mean, but I think that's, that's, it's, it's a nice way to kind of encapsulate the thing, right? It's not that those are like unnecessary or, right. or, or, or that we're calling for some like, uh, crazy, like, uh, you know, um, like way off the mark sort of like reduction, like these things should go away. It's like, no, they're there, but it's also going back to the idea of yes. And okay. It's like, yes, do this, but also let's understand there's more there. So if those didn't get us on the moon, if those didn't march on Washington, what did, mm-hmm. and it, and it still it comes down to people. I mean, yeah. it really does, right? And so I think it's a lot of stuff you were talking earlier about, like Ian, the way you have interacted with these artists, the way that your shows have come together at Endeavor over time, like that's like that's where that stuff happens, right? I mean, you, the way you summed up First Fridays, I think was fantastic. That you know nobody's sitting here like announcing this. No one's like writing rules about it. It's just like it's happening. It's mm-hmm. a thing. But I think you said the collective will of the people. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's fantastic. There's a lot in there. A lot in there. Yeah, and it is a question of, um, uh, which is what we're going to get into. You have organizations, events, and people. And so, some, what happens is those are under static categories. Yeah. And so, what we're trying to do is say that, and I think what you're getting at, Gareth, is these are progressive or dy- at least. Uh, if not progressive, dynamic states. Oh, definitely. And when they're understood as dynamic states, then that creates uh, relational demands that are in the gaps, the in-between spaces. We definitely think of the podcast as doing that, as being connective tissue for these different enterprises and the way they relate to each other, not to detract from them, but to actually enhance and activate them. And there's a ton of things that can be done. And you need culture makers that can think along those lines to support those that are thinking within the more proper larger categories but i'm like you know spend money man like spend money on uh find some of the murals in the city and actually give them a chance to do a rap on the on city buses yeah you can define a career that you can see continue to grow and extrapolate out for 20 30 years yeah how many products can you buy that's like this this i'm gonna see this thing get better but it's not that um artists are proud of but what they're making in that space and so you giving someone that access like in the same way michael broth's giving me access greek and uh, carrie's giving me access like here's this one thing this is now existing as like cultural cultural artifact or or a moment that goes on that continues to define itself over time and i mean that same goes with collecting art in the same way as uh you can define people's entire careers and a single night of me saying these paintings if they quit or if I uh, sell them, if the paintings quit, if uh, I sell the paintings, um, I'll quit my job the next day is like yeah, so that like, moment is going ahead and defining me for the next three years, three years now. Yeah, Change your been. whole, change your whole trajectory. Right. So I, I, I'm going to uh, do a slight brag on Gareth and I do it. So sure. Sounds great. 
you're gonna you're gonna I get to be taken back, it. Gareth. But Gareth and I and another friend, Sean, had a proposal for the city back in 2011. Holy crap! Blast from the freaking past. Yep. Does it exist in a PDF? So format? we pro- yes, we proposed um, a whole line of uh, buildings. And uh, did it have the red outline pathways around? Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. I have moving that from, PDF, dude. Moving I was, from I was joking, moving from I have that. Um, moving That's from nutty. the business district to the uh, yeah, and it was going to be a whole mural project, but it was right. going to be like uh, curated. We were going to curate. So that was 2011. Yeah, we were we we and we proposed it to whatever that painting glib painting company there's, or whatever yeah, it's called. A, yeah, there's it's a called painting glib. company that was doing a uh, like a they were kind of doing this beautification in cities, and yep. it was a, like a large color field sort of mural. Did this project. have anything to do with the G40 Art Summit that happened? No, oh, we man. we had that was 2012. So we had conference calls, and and they were like afraid to. Ultimately, they felt like we were uh, like a little too advanced in what we were proposing for what they could offer and so we couldn't get the funds together to do this but we had a ton of buildings lined up we had this incredible flow that people would are still kicking that move. around yeah yeah so yeah, we, we i just want to i just want to lay claim to the fact that we were talking about that in 2011 and we yeah, were dude. really close to pulling it off um i think it, it can still happen yeah. there's a lot of those those boundaries that are outlined in it that are expanding in yeah. that direction yeah. i don't know man it really does need those people as conversations like this happen and the hunger grows and more and more artists yep. come here and the infrastructure is built yep. it's like yes that can totally happen yeah. i don't know if we're the people to do it now because of everything else we're doing but right I but mean, i'm we saying it's grown beyond you guys That's like right. if that helped originate it it's like you plant a seed you know yeah even if it exists in a pdf <laughs> yeah it's still a seed nonetheless that it's been we had a pdf or not i can't remember what but he has some stuff we had stuff though i mean it was a long no, time it ago, sounds man. a lot like what you're talking about if it's not um, yeah yeah they definitely got inspiration from it because that yeah. was coming from um uh the city and a lot of the um whatever committees are going we, on yeah anyhow I don't even know where I was going with that, but I was trying to say that, um, I guess I was trying to say that it's like, uh, some of it is that this kind of thinking takes time in conversation and, um, you, you have to steward it. It's a dynamic conversation. So like some of what like we're doing now is, is part and parcel to what we were talking about doing then. And Gareth and I are actually yeah. know each other a lot better. So there's something about the know and be known relationship building it just takes time. I keep telling my students, you can't microwave it. You can't microwave understanding. You just can't. Right. You can you can get it on Wikipedia, but you can't microwave embodied understanding. Yeah. And you really can't microwave most relationships. They they actually have to develop over time. And I think right. you're hitting something here because when we're talking about that, uh, we understand this from a human standpoint, a human <laughs> relations standpoint. We understand from an art practice standpoint, whatever it might be. Um, but then when you start to hit up against things like public policy, public policy needs to work within like a nine month yeah. cycle. You need to be able to step into a box and check yes or no on the ballot. It has to be hugely, uberly efficient, which means you don't get space for nuance, which means that conversations have to happen and then be shut down after two hours because that's the time we gave them. Um, and then we kind of have checked our little our little boxes and said, oh, we've done all of this stuff. So I guess we've had a good public conversation about it. Whereas the people involved are saying, no, no, I feel like we just had the introduction. Barely started. Yeah. <laughs> so... You know, I think that that's uh, it, it's weird because the 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 society we kind of live in uh, at times pushes back against the things that we know to be the actual way we interact with people or with our practice, and that can be hugely debilitating. Part of my question is almost like you know, you look at if you, if we go back to the idea of like um, you know, uh, city beautiful, 
and uh, the pristine city and all this sort of stuff. Um, you know, is it is that why we like looking at the future and just idealizing it? Because at least we can have that conversation because nobody's going to critique something that doesn't actually exist and can't exist. You know, they'll just say, oh, that's nice. It looks super clean and very well organized. You know, but if we start talking about things like how do we how do we beautify our own city right now with its problems? And then once we start asking that question, then five more problems pop up. And I was like, well, how does that interact with this? Well, that's that's actually, I think, a space where creativity and the arts can come in, be hugely helpful. So instead right. of drawing back, we should really be leaning into that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. That's true, man. And uh, do you think that's becoming a tagline of sorts, the know and be known? Is mm-hmm. that the, this, is that like say, the subtext of the podcast now? 100%. I used to say it's really important yeah. that we're, we're both know, we, right. we both know we are we know each other and are known by each other because a lot of times what you get is people that just want to be known but they're not willing to know anybody and right. so in the arts and so it's both it's not one or the other and yeah, so I've been saying true. that for near a decade now and so when Gareth and I talked we originally were going to call this known be known right that's, so, I think that's just like the scary thing of like a it's like a bulletproof statement like mm-hmm. that I mean I don't think there's there's no imaginable downside to it mm-hmm. so it's like it's so calcified like an ingot. Yeah. To the point that, I don't know, me saying it, it's like, it's almost like a brand statement. Like yeah. I, I get kind of like worried saying because it, it's so true. You know yeah. what I mean? I don't yeah, want to yeah, just, yeah. um, <laughs> not getting a trademark or anything like just yeah. uh, like ownership of ideas like that. So if, if it's known and be known, like how, how dynamic, um, can saying something like that be like, can it just exist as conversationally or, or is it just simply hearkening back to, um, like a, a podcast. And I, I guess I'm just asking in a, in a vacuum space because mm-hmm. um, it's not the first time that I, I've heard someone else say it as well. Mm-hmm. I've, I've heard it just in conversation. I'm like, oh, so you listen to that podcast? And I was like, yes. And so it's it's become like referential to the point, but it's such a, a strong statement that I think is actually transcending anything like mm. branding or defining of a pot. Like I'm happy you didn't call it that in a way and let it just be... Uh, a thing yeah, it's that definitely, repeats. it's definitely a, yeah, it's a thing. I mean, it's what, it's a core conviction. So right. it's like a, it's a core conviction yeah. that we said the, the, the function of almost everything we do at Chaka Heart Space is to, to help people uh, both know and be known by each other. Mm-hmm. So that, so that, cause that was, that was the, when we were doing the critiques, when I started was hosting these critiques back in 2011 and 12 and 13, like the goal there was that what, what, what immediately happened was people started to actually know each other. And, and there's something about being known, but not yeah, just being known saved for me, man. Yeah. From, from when I was going to art school, I, uh, yeah, it was very much in a bubble yeah. Um, of yeah, my yeah. art school. And I was just like, why is it every time I leave a critique and I'm angry or depressed and I feel like I got nothing. And then all of a sudden I came to these out here and I was like, what? Yeah. what is this? Oh my God. And where I, I met you, I, yeah. I met both of you, man. And it's so many people out of this that I, I still talk to and like those conversations, um, are def- defining of, yeah. for for years to come, yeah, yeah, and I'm yeah. I'm still remembering. Chino like, oh, Moby yeah, mentioned Chino, a critique right. from that that right. in his in our discussions about his thesis. I was oh like, I God. can't even believe you remember That's that discussion. Crazy. In a, in a, it just goes to the point that Gareth and I've talked about too. Is that I think one of the things for us is is so the driving force is to know and be known uh, through Shaco Art Space to create that cultural milieu. And that it comes through dialogical frameworks because this is what is part of the connective tissue that actually is missing. So a lot of what Gareth and I and the rest of Shaco Art Space are looking to do is to create and put forward avenues. I mean, we're going to be looking into uh, mentorship programs mm-hmm. uh, that will be somewhat 
vetted, I mean, there will be like a fee for a year, uh, six months to a year's worth of time of actual uh, intensive studio and design mentorship from Gareth and I. Um, and then also some of the others as they kind of uh, are prepared to do that. Um, a lot of what we're doing is is uh, framing out and facilitating uh, enduring conversations. So not just one-time conversations, not just event conversations, but uh, dialogues that happen under, under relational strategies that actually better accord with uh, how people live and have their being, like how they are situated. And so, I mean, Gareth and I are able to do what we do because we've had a lot of conversations. Um, without the pressure of there being a result. It's because we actually like each other and want to know each other. Right. And so yeah. there's a... In my time of talking both to you, both of you, I don't think we've ever just finished a conversation. No. It's like, it's, I have right. to go. That's I haven't right. finished a conversation in decades. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the... And so, and, and so that's the thing is the continuing to see how many people... Um, so how much the world is being curated into sound bites and how many people right. are starving and existing outside of the sound soundbite phenomena that are like, no, nah, I, I, I actually, uh, gonna, gonna hang out here. Like I had, I have someone who's listening to the podcast, uh, and he was like, this sounds like open drawing studio. And I was like, which is something I've been right. running at VCU for like 11 years. Yeah. And it's like, and it's the way people are connecting dialogue. So for yeah. him, he was like, this is what I've been waiting for. Like, because even, even when those three hours would close, people would still be waiting to, right. to press in further. And, and it's because they want to know and be known. And without conditions, without the kind of conditions that uh, cripple, crush, or uh, cause you to have to hide, you know, to fake it, to, to put on a costume. And so um, I think everything we're doing is trying to bust down those, those walls. Like even, you know, we have, uh, Gareth and I had some brainstorming session yesterday about future possibilities. And um, we just recorded at the VMFA yesterday and, you know, this documentary we're releasing is to really break down some, some barriers, some assumptions, some categories in, in, um, dialogue with some of the curators at the VMFA, the Virginia Museum of Fine Arts. Part of their goal is to, is to do something similar. And so it was really a natural fit for us to come together. There's a recognition that's happening. So at high level institutions, people are going like, we need to change some things. We need to push in this direction. And, um, I mean, both Gareth and I, as professors get to, you know, when you say we get significant feedback from our students, right? I mean, yeah, definitely. Um, it's weird that the thing that kind of popped up is, you know, you, we, we've talked about like connective tissue. Um, and I feel like, uh, you know, the, if, if we look at the larger, the larger society we live in, sometimes we can see, uh, the, the tangible things that are going on and it can point us to understand why the intangible things are happening at the same rate. Uh, so take, for example, uh, as you were talking, I was thinking about the fact that we have very robust institutions. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're, really do. they're strong, they're there, they're in for the long haul, they're doing their thing. Yep. Um, but within this idea of known be known, sometimes there's not as much interactivity there as maybe we would hope as like artists and designers that, you know, th- maybe to use different, uh, more specific vocabulary, doesn't feel like there's always the collaboration that's necessary for them to be as healthy as they prob- probably could. And so then I think about over the last 10 years, how in uh, public discourse, we've had this argument about how much money needs to be put towards our crumbling infrastructure in the country. The fact that the roads and bridges that connect cities are garbage. Um, And so it's like, well, we don't have this infrastructure actually in place within our own country. It's crumbling, it's failing. And then we look at our institutions and the way they maybe don't collaborate as much as we'd like, or might we see might as might be healthy. And then it's like, we've got the same problem. 
yeah. in both instances. We're, right. we're, right. we're not focusing on the tangible infrastructure. So why would we be focusing on intangible infrastructure? Right. That doesn't seem to be there either. Um, and I think sometimes because we've had a very good time over the last 20 or 30 years focusing on institutions. And I think there might be time to, I don't know, focus on the people. Right. Uh, focus on the actual individuals. Um, and really, like you were saying earlier, like ask them and say, Hey, you know what? You, you want to do the best work possible. And we want to expect that as a society. Um, in fact, we're probably yearning for that so deeply that we can't even express it. Yeah. And that's a qualitative thing. It moves past quantitative. That's what totally kind of the whole transcendent categories is the, the quality is so enlarging and so enriching that it, you know, we get glimpses of this all the time. We get things that draw us out of ourselves all the time. Another person, a sunset, the clouds, a building, something terrible. So it's eminent and transcendent. Like there's something about, um, and I mean lowercase transcendent. I mean, uh, it needs to uh, press in enough to lead you further in, which means it has to be ahead of you too. And so there's something about the way we create qualitatively. So what we're doing is, okay, so what we're doing is we're settling for shallow expressions. Yeah. And it's f- collapsing culture and flattening people. And the bar is being set lower and lower and lower and lower. Um, and so in order for us to feel like we're obtaining to something. And so it's, uh, it's time to read a book and <laughs> edify your mind. <laughs> like it's time to also admit you can't do it all by yourself. And you're not, it's time to kind of go like, yeah, yeah, I I I'm not that awesome. Well, I, I mean, I talk about my class. I, I told my students this in one of my classes two weeks ago. I said, we all want those people in our life that will look at us and say, that's not as good as you can do. 100%. And, and why? Because I know from personal experience of 36 years that I am always going to give myself a pass and be like, that's probably fine. Yep. It's probably good enough. <laughs> but I need those people that will step up and be like, nope, it's not. It's not. Yeah. And, and I want that because that means that they're an actual real friend to me. Right. Because they're not right. just busting on me because they don't like it. That means they have to actually know you. That's right. And you have to let your guard down to be known by them, which Gosh, means yes. I got vulnerabilities and you're actually, uh, you got a pulse on them. So you know where to hold me accountable, especially when it comes to something that matters more than just merely ourselves. Yeah. I mean, I like, I really like, I've been thinking about what you said at the beginning and talking about those big thick chunks of paint coming off the wall and you just see like this <laughs> rainbow stratification yeah. of all the stuff. And there's something nice that, that just in that there's like this, this artifact or this totem that points to the fact that what you were wanting to do with those shows was so large and encompassing that what you now had was like this thick chunk of paint from over time that it took so many times of doing it, but you still haven't exhausted it that you're, every time you're painting it over and you painted it over, not because the other thing needed to go away, but because you still had more that had to go up. Like there's something. Yeah. It wasn't like the stuff that that. preceded it was deficient. It's just that, that I, I mean, I, it's a cliche. I always go back. Gardens are just the best thing to me because, uh, you can have a wonderful season with whatever you're growing. And then because the next season comes around that you're growing it again, does not mean that the the prior failed. It's just part and parcel to the way things, uh, actually occur. Well, it's funny because I think actually in that metaphor, if you grow the garden the next year, it's only because it was successful. 100%. I mean, the times where I've been like not too excited about having the garden the next year is when the one before just didn't really work. Yep. yep. I mean, it, it becomes something where um, when the actual, uh, the produce that comes out of that garden is right. something that's fantastic, like right. then I'm like, let's bring it on. Let's do more. Well, more, that's more, where, more. and that's where uh, this gets to, to me. So the language of stewardship 
and gift giving. And so if you're stewarding gifts for other people, then you're not holding on to them as like, this is me, me, me. And that is one of the hardest issues that is an affront difficulty for us as artists and, and is a temptation for all of us. And so the idea of stewarding something is that it, uh, it, it precedes you and it goes ahead of you and it's in your hands now. And so uh, you're bringing to bear things that actually are gifts to other people. They're, ref- they're, they're uh, artifacts, objects, experiences that uh, in one way or another are bringing to bear specified content and ideas and human expression, emotion, all of these things we talk about in a way that enlarges or shapes or change and is a gift to the other person. Because when the person sees it, uh, they, they don't necessarily pay for it or they don't, they don't have to pay for it through their own labor and effort. They get to receive what you've given them, even if they, that they pay to own it or they go to see it in a movie or, or what have you, but it's a stewardship. So it's not just yours, even though you made it. And I think that's really, really hard that that is an affront to stuff that we've talked about in the past, as far as our identity as artists and designers. And I think if we thought in, in more stewarding, uh, cultivative terms, that would be more conducive to these larger concerns we have with regards to the, the city. So we wouldn't be so jerky about, well, that's my mural. I made my expression. We'd say, I'm going to steward this. This is, comes from my hands and my unique makeup, and it's my vision. It comes from there, but it is a gift into your hands. And so I'm going to listen to you, and if I can, I'm going to um, gift in such a way that you're actually enlightened or satisfied or enriched by it, oh, if, if at all possible. I think you're describing in a beautiful way a uh, murals and and first friday here in richmond in a huge way i mean that's that really is the biggest part of it so much of it is just here come and join in on this thing and yes there's the the authority that you have to pass through and the money and the the exact exchange that happens but everyone else if it's done well is a benefactor that's right of what happens and that's like that's so beautiful yeah and you don't leave you don't leave i mean the reason why we come back my if anything what i want uh, we were talking about this with Aaron Fry about October. Is I think the goal is the beauty of October. It's this whole month, and you want to see October become twelve month October. You know, you want the whole. So what you want is uh, you don't want just the high peaks and valley moments, yeah. but you want to see that pour into uh, the general state of affairs for people in their homes, in their in their lives, in their cars, uh, across socioeconomic backgrounds, across racial uh, uh, distinctions and cultural differences. You want to see. Uh, more cultural uh, expressions that uh, sort of flood a society in a way that we're actually swept up into something that is moving us somewhere uh, more complete, more whole. That you know, I'm I'm speaking lofty, understanding that that's there's a naivete implicit in that, and that's a whole other discussion. But but um, there's nothing that says that we can't, uh, and uh, it's sort of a challenge. I mean, I I think I think we at Chicago Art Space. I mean, I just honestly think we we're trying to embrace the challenge. So it's not like we're we're really trying to do this in, in the way that we can, to the extent that we can, hoping that we can uh, join arms with other spaces. Um, and also let, let the positive action be the critique on the negative instead of just being critical and, and not doing anything. Cause how right. many people Sitting back, just, that yeah, sucks. That sucks. How many people just do that? And you're like, yeah. but you haven't tried to make anything. All you know how to do is consume and critique, but you can't actually offer a solution and you're unwilling to be met with criticism for trying to do that. But I think we need more people that are, you know, that are willing to put their neck out there and 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 say like this needs to change. We need it. It's a massive vulnerability. Yeah, I don't think that is a, a widespread. I mean, to even yeah. trust someone enough to be vulnerable in front of them is 
is really, really hard. I mean, there's uh, when I first met both of you, like I had way more walls up against you guys. It was, it was just, we would just, I would just throw things your way and you're just kind of like slapping them down and be like, that's silly. Don't, don't do that. And like, <laughs> and I'm just kind of throwing everything at the wall to see what sticks. Oh, I remember like, how cocky you were when you were my ever, student. Oh my God. Oh my goodness. That, uh, oh my goodness. In the summer. <laughs> With our four-person class, yeah, uh, maybe a story a for another time. Yeah, we'll tell, we'll save <laughs> but, uh, that story. Let's sit on that one a little bit. <laughs> but uh, there is a be, really good story there that I love to tell, but I'm not going to tell it now. We'll uh, wait till the sounds next. Sounds good. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll wait till the future. Let that one simmer. Let it simmer. That's that'll be the season finale. Yeah. since you guys are doing seasons, the cliffhanger. Yeah, tune in next season. Yeah, we like the, the idea of seasons because it also speaks like of, it of repose. I don't and think rest. podcasts do that. Yeah, I haven't. At least I haven't heard of it. Yeah, we're trying to. We're trying to. We're trying to add some of our own special sauce to things. That's right. Special sauce. And you want to take a break? You want to? You want to? We don't. We're, we're not. Um, we want to also communicate like that. We're not rest, machines, man. Yeah, rest is an important co- part of the equation. <laughs> so we're we're take, We want to have a restful season so we can recharge and be ready. Right. And we're actually seeing this as a building thing. 100%. So building building uh, to to say that we're living in the context of the garden metaphor that we speak about. I mean, throughout life, I, I don't think any life philosophy without the inclusion of suffering is a guarantee. There will be difficulty no matter what. The people you know will pass away. Friends, relationships will end. And so I, I think anything that doesn't account for that, just it's you, you it's can't naive. function in, I yeah. think, in reality. And so with that and that understanding and the, and the brace for it, I think allows actually for more vulnerability is like, I'm gonna be hurt. Like there's no doubt. I'm gonna, I'm gonna fall. I'm gonna ruin something. I'm gonna fail. It's gonna be embarrassing. Yep. And it's gonna happen. And with that, and to understand that I'll take those things and grow continually from mm-hmm. it, no matter what, I think actually allows for more, more vulnerability that mm-hmm. aspects of exactly what you're talking about are able to seep into us and a willingness to be in like, I'm not okay just being how I am right now. Yeah. I want to continually improve. And I think the people who truly believe that you see that in their art, I see it in their functions from day to day in the, um, like what you guys are doing here is the understanding is like, well, I was talking about this in 2011. I built this thing or however the form that it turned into and to continually just keep talking about as true things are worth repeating continually and building in to something greater. Um, and you know, gardens happen in the same way. Like I had that plant I loved, why did it die? I did everything right. Yep. And I, I'm doing that right now because I, I finally have a, a garden space and I've been exploring the gardening thumb and like plant passing away is just like brutal. I yeah, see, I spent like, so it didn't much work. time with them. Like, oh, we've, we've, man, we've seen many plants die. I did everything right. But uh, to understand with the things that you grow are, are equally vulnerable and to treat them with the respect and the love that goes with that and the people that we work alongside of. Uh, all the time to continually treat them with that same respect and um, hopefully sneak in plenty of fart jokes in the meantime. Is, there is it was, the dude. The first time the fart joke was, was brought into our podcast. Nailed it. I knew <laughs> Ian would do it. <laughs> well, I think, you know, one of the things I talk to, to folks about all the time is uh, exactly what you're pointing at. Like, um, we we are not fans of failure. Obviously, nobody wants to be a failure or be labeled that or have be seen that way or whatever it is. Um, but because of that, then we sort of also push aside any aspects that are just not working hundred percent. And so we minimize them and we don't learn from them and it's, it's problematic. And so an outgrowth of that really, uh, is, uh, something that becomes, I think, hugely debilitating in art and design, but also could be part of this larger conversation in public art, which is the idea of preciousness, um, where everything becomes so overly precious. Right. 
you know, so it's like, it's so precious to me that I'll never finish it so that you never can critique it. <laughs> it's so precious to me that I am saying that I make only for myself, for my viewing, because I can't possibly let anybody else into it. I've been there. I, I remember speaking of old Ryan critiques, there was a, what's the dialectic? It was something in dialectics class that I took with you. I had this one painting and I finally felt like I had done a painting at school. I, I'd done so many things that was like il illustration painting, you know, I was just making doodles and, and making them bigger with paint. And uh, I brought this on. I was like, I think I actually painted and I use it in another critique and people are like, it's beautiful. You really did something here. And it was this uh, this character like sitting in front of what I called like a corrupted fire. And so I, I kind of painted fire using black paint more so I'm kind of inverted and uh, so we start the critique and it gets quiet for a second and Ryan just turns to me and he's like, I think it looks like pubes. <laughs> it was like, oh my God, I was so like shut down in that moment. But at the same time, like that, that willingness to even engage, to make fun of it. And it's like, you think that's so precious? It's one painting, dude. Like you haven't even begun to make anything. And it's like, I thought it was amazing, but it's pubes instead. <laughs> and uh, that, I, I mean, remember that. for many times. Your lip quivered. <laughs> <laughs> you were so. Yeah. I, well, was, I, had the... I remember sitting on a stool and it was a slightly larger stool. So yep. it was like being presented at the yes. same time. And just the pubes were just like, just, it crumbled beneath me. But you've made, you've made exceptionally better painting since then with um, multiple it, interventions. Well, I also work alongside Eli and Christina That's right. and they professionalize in giving me immense amounts of shit. It's, yeah. It's yeah, amazing. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. they pile it it's on. Yeah. And uh, I mean, there's, I was making an old series back in the day. I uh, tried to call it all like as a series business as usual. And they would, Eli would just come in. I had this briefcase that I, every receipt that I got, I would put it in. So I have thousands still. And he would just come in with like a little fedora with the... <laughs> Oh, about to do business, are we? <laughs> and just, just continue like it would not stop, and to the point that it, you know, it breaks down the walls. Like I, I thrive on that stuff now. I can't work the same not alongside people because if you just, if you're just not making fun of it, and you're like, this is you're taking yourself too serious. Yeah, you're yeah, doing yeah. it, and you yeah. gotta just, you just gotta slam it down. You gotta throw. Just call. I mean, there's a time for yeah. There's a time for real. Dis <laughs> like, there's a time for real discussion. There's just different ways of doing. You know, right, different yeah. different levels of critique. Yeah. There's different. There's also different modes of communication. Like, so like sometimes uh, a quick comment like that is going to work better on that person than right. a formal breakdown of like how that's not actually doing what you think it's doing. Right. And so sometimes then you what you do is you create the hunger to know why. Well, why does it look like that? Like really, really why? Then, they, then you've built the hunger, and then, then the medicine actually seeps in. It gets in, you know. Um, and that takes time. I mean, I, I know I've had, I've got to do a couple of intervention critiques with you, where you <laughs> needed months to kind of like, you know what I mean? Like that's how we learn, though. We don't learn just in a in a dose. Yeah. You learn in over time. That's actually from knowing each other. Yeah, it's continuing. Yeah. Those are the people um, that I do my best to keep an eye on. The people who are like maybe doing it really bad at the time, but I'm like, this person's a learner. Yep. And the yeah. learners, they'll, they'll sneak up on totally. you, dude. Yeah, It'll be will. like, what the? All of a sudden, like a couple of years later, um, I actually really wanted to mention, since we were talking about uh, murals today, one of our um, interns that we had from uh, VCU at Endeavor, um, his name was Mac Wood. He, he's a learner, 100%. Um, he was an amazing intern. He did a ton of good work. He did... Uh, 
the Prometheus Rising animation, you know, with the yeah, dropping of the text, we collaborated on that whole thing, made it all about and working with the music and each aspect of it was beautiful. I recently also made the um, Endeavor logo, it's the yep. paper unfolding. I did that with him like step by step. And uh, he just continually, even past the internship, just, just kept showing up. And uh, he was also part of one of our wet walls. Um, I think he's done a few other things, but he recently, um, and I say it was probably a couple months ago, um, just called me um, and he's like, Ian, I wanted to talk to you about murals. And I was like, all right, like what's going on? And he's like, I think I have this opportunity that's going on with this grant in this place and it's down by the river. Um, it's one of those walkways, you know, the mm-hmm. brown walker, you kind of mm-hmm. spiral down. Um, he got in the position and I don't know how I do it, how it specifically did it, but he got a grant like through the city, the official institution through an arts grant went through satin bureaucracy. There was like, uh, he posted a photo from inside it and it's like the, the table, the three way setup that is creating kind of like a upside down U of the elders, you know, sitting around like, mm, this does not please me. Change the colors immediately. He was just Young sitting there and, and he, <laughs> he was uh, sitting there and just kind of, I'm, I'm sure it's just being like picked apart by people's taste or whatever, but he persevered through it and he's still doing it. And now I think he's painting it today. That's actually, awesome. uh, he's been doing it for like a week and just slowly going from the bottom to the top. And it sort of has this, organic growth um happening and that's uh he one of the big things that he he was asking me is just like how it's like how do you get a a hand what's the first just thing you do and i'm like well you make work right you got i've seen your notebooks they're filled with stuff just start and it's like insert shia labeouf meme just do it at a certain point definitely like it just put i prefer palpatine on the wall do it do it (laughs) yeah Ultimate power. Uh, we power. Sith references. Are we getting dark exactly. today? Yeah. Yeah. The shadow. Embrace the shadow. Uh, you said it. Embrace the shadow. It's the next Star Wars movie. Um, Rise of yeah. Ooh, we could talk about a whole podcast. Oh my. We'll Anyways, do that as like a yeah. as a thing. If you become a member, we'll do a Star a member, Wars. Yeah. We will do a Star Wars entrance. To- nerd out. <laughs> talk about Star Wars. Yes. Either way, uh, I was just like put paint on the wall just start making it at a certain point he's like they're not going to trust you if you've never put anything on the wall so like if you have to you got a bedroom wall put a mural on it just and take a photo crop it nicely take some nice photos if you like like, it then you should have put a mural on it i do (laughs) oh my god he's on it uh uh oh And uh, it's dude, it's just true. At a certain point, like man, you're talking about if you're sitting there dreaming about doing it, just 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 start doing it. Yeah, like you've got the means. Like, well, they don't have permission from the restaurant. It's like you can find a wall. Just start painting on it. It's gonna suck, and then do it again. Paint it over, and then do it again. Yeah, and then just keep doing. At a certain point, if you've got three, four images, you're solid. You go to a place and be like, hey, I like what you're going here. I want to paint an interior. Uh, mural in this place go to like an asian restaurant make some asian themed work or something like any way you want to slice it you can just start doing it and uh it was one of those things of at the start of endeavor was like i want to do these things nobody's telling me i can and i'm tired of asking that's right that's one of the biggest things that people here we we go we get that sometimes it's like we're doing a documentary well who said you could do that we we did why not why can't we like why can't we do the podcast who said we had to ask permission right and like we're we are a we need to be more initiative in our you know in our in our in our thing And, and and one of the beautiful things is you kind of grow up 
into stuff is, is what, what sometimes happens for some is then people start to just want what you do. So they move from asking you to do for them what they want. And then they just go, Hey, I just want you to do your thing. And that's a, that's a pretty incredible right. place. Yeah. Like where you're like, I want what you make, however right. you make it. I don't want you to make for me what I want. That takes time. Yeah. Man. That's, yeah. that's where people want to be, especially yeah. mural makers. But that takes so time. That's the point. It's like, you gotta you got to start where you're saying, right. If you ever want the chance for the other. I just, there's no advice. Like you can sit there and just explain to someone how to paint on a wall, but it's like at a certain point, you just got to start figuring it out. Yeah. Like you, you got to start with you. And that's, I mean, I think that's a lot of what we're talking about and I don't want to get too, you know, it's, there's a lot of, um, you know, cultural milieu and larger aspects and institutions talking about, but it's like, if at the end of the day, you can't take care of yourself and clean yourself up and just start doing it, then it's never going to happen. No, I think that's a great point. And I would, I just want to add, add, you don't just okay. So you don't just generate ideas out of yourself. You are a permeable, observing human being in a world. And so now I'm just harping on it. The no in a know, world, in a, in a world. <laughs> but you you are knowing people. And so if you know people, you start to hear their stories. That conjures images. It, it, it like it specifies. So you start to have a real audience, not a fake one. That's one of the biggest things for me. Is you come out of art school and there's a discussion about audience, and it's just an abstract audience right. that defaults back to, to <laughs> yeah. theory. Oh, so true, and so I, you know I love a good I love theory, but. But it, what happens is it does not prepare you for knowing real people like your neighbors. If you start getting to know people, you're going to naturally, hopefully, start to care about uh, uh, what they care about a little bit. And it's going to be imbued in the public work you do. Right. Actually take some time to sit down with people that are not artists and designers. I felt that, the the yearning for that, although I did not verbalize it. It was just one of those things. To, I would take my paintings... And thankfully, because of some of the extracurricular curricular classes that were a part of um, getting the arts degree, um, I ended up meeting a few engineers, and I would just talk to them about art every once in a while. And so I would bring them paintings after I got a critique. I'm like, what do you think about this? <laughs> just like, I mean, it's not nearly like, you know, we can't even get into the, the practical use. It wasn't so much of a conversation, but it was just a real person seeing this and how it was coming across. Like, irregardless of any specific thing they said, it sure. was that engagement. And they, it was like a seven foot tall Marine and a 250 pound trucker. And they're sitting there looking at this like little creature painting that I made. And it's, it's so, I think that should happen more. I'm, I'm so... It was actually uh, Arnold Kemp, uh, who was the the previous head, um, chair of yep. the painting and making department, that he came in on uh, one of the, the final days of senior seminar, and we were sitting in one of the critique rooms, and uh, <laughs> there was some paper he was passing around, but the only thing I remember about it is that he's sitting there, he's like, all right, so everyone in this room, everyone in this school, you all have been smoking the same pipe for four years, and you're high as hell on it. And nobody else has been smoking that pipe. And I was like, that makes so much sense. Like yeah. it was, it was yeah. a good metaphor and it was, it kind of broke down and it was an understanding from him being ahead that seeing the bubble that happens in the space and the imaginary audience and the imaginal reactions that you're trying to craft in this space. And so little of it has real world and only until at least for me, when our first show at Endeavor opens up and first Fridays and all of a sudden a thousand people come in and people are just looking and I'm standing behind them and they're just like, that sucks. And I'm just like, that's real. Like I'm not, you can sit there and be mad about it or you keep making, you do the next show. And then yeah. it's at a certain point that it's like, oh, this is, this is real. There's and then something. you get to Prometheus Rising right. and people are buying oh, that work like hotcakes. Woo! Yeah. Woo! 
one of the best shows Shaka Art Space ever had. Oh my! Shout out, Holla. It's you're talking about all this stuff, Ian. And one of the things that I think uh, stands out is I, I'm I'm asking myself like, because he feels this way, is this why he felt drawn into doing a gallery, or does he feel this way more because he did the gallery? You know, like uh, like because you're talking about like like preciousness and like interacting with people and caring about it being more than just for artists and things like that. And so it, it is this question, but I think probably in a, a more real sense, it's probably very cyclical. There are certain things that you wanted to see and you could only realize them in a certain space. Um, and that space continues to help you see those things. You know, cause as, as you're talking about this stuff, I'm like, man, they, these are huge, helpful things. And I, I almost want to be like real, just like, uh, given just like a, a terrible cliche or platitude and just be like, yeah, everybody should for a season, just go operate a gallery. It'll be one of the most helpful things in your art or design career because you start to see things from a different place. It's not just your art. You have to uh, promote and champion other people. Uh, you have to conceive right. of how work exists within a community and a space. Like there's a lot of questions in that that don't come up if I'm just kind of stuck in my design studio doing some client work. Right. You know, I I tried really hard actually to do that. I'm so happy you said that because that's reaffirming of, of at least the attempt of what it was for uh the previous endeavor that was um at the um the the rusty crusty place uh, of 316 brook road um on the way to gallery five that we were talking about earlier um i tried really hard to work with the new owners of the building and uh being like hey i'm trying to irregardless of what you want to charge for it. And I'm sure it's four times the amount of whatever we're paying right now. Um, I'm trying to work with VCU and make this a, um, independent study class of you get one month, two months. Here's the space. The walls are all white. It's clean. It's empty. There's nothing in it. Put a show together here. It's a guarantee. You're going to get an audience. It's guaranteed people are going to come through. And if it sucks, it's going to suck. And if it's real good it's, it's real good. And so I tried really hard to do it, but they, they pretty much just kicked us out and said nothing um, about it after the fact. Like, maybe it could happen in the future. I'm sure they want to turn it into a home, which makes no sense to me. It's really hard to go past it nowadays. But, um, yeah, I think that's real, man. There's something that just real world, on the tracks, let it fail. If it's going to fail, let it succeed. If it's going to succeed about um, doing that, that all of my understanding of the art world, everything that we've talked about here at Critiques and past conversations, all of it begins to make sense um, and get a real place with real people the moment you make something like that happen. Because it, it, at the end of the day, it, it all falls back on you, you know, and uh, your efforts that you put into it. Well, and, and also, you know, I, th I like the idea of put, like we, Gareth and I talk about failure a lot in, in both our classes in here. And so if you're saying let it fail, what we're really saying is uh, there's different lifespans of things. Yeah. So, so if it's three years, it didn't fail for that amount of time it had a certain blast radius, a certain level of impact that with a certain quality that had a life arc to it in that state. And so, um, you know, it's like some people have asked like, well, what if this fails with you guys? And it's like, well, I don't think we've failed. I think we've done a lot of stuff And how right. that life lives out is still up in question. Is this going to be a thing that lives past us or is it going to, uh, stop before our actual lives? I don't know. And, and yeah, there's something you know, exciting about knowing that like, in the future, there are a whole lot more failures in that sense ahead <laughs> yeah. of us. And that's great because uh, that means we're still trying. We're still doing stuff. That's right. Which is which is what you do. You go to art school, not so you can just just graduate and be like, well, I, I did a thing. Yeah. But you, you do it so that you can grow into a, <laughs> yeah. a career or, or a trajectory where you do a lot of things. That's right. And that's how it should be. 
Yeah. You got any uh, closing thoughts for us before we, we wrap it up, Ian? Anything you want to um, shout out? Uh, things coming? Um, oh, man. Uh, I The next big thing for me, other than, you know, all the construction of um, Endeavor that's going on, um, the next big show that I'm doing, I'm going to be splitting uh, Black Iris with Christina in half, and we'll do a, a huge duo show. Um, and that's that's kind of the next big sweep of work in the meantime there's there's a million things yeah happening. yeah yeah, yeah. There's so no, where, there's, where can we find where can we find information about what, what you know um you best way to do as we're running right now is endeavorva.com or endeavor.rva on instagram um you can just look up my name on instagram okay um that's been yeah i put all all my monies in the endeavor website and running it so i don't have my personal website but me eli and christina are uh included in that um and yeah that's been we just had the endeavor order and it's still up for the rest of this month of september and um yeah keep an eye out and i'm so excited for what you guys are doing i can already see the resonance happening and there's a reason you know there is all this space debris as you guys talking about the mind space debris that's floating around and then all of a sudden like the uss shaco r space shooting into the stratosphere and we're like whoa what's that it's got its own gravitational pull i see it i see it happening um and it's really cool and i know how many times i definitely talked to you about starting a podcast and uh kind of in the same in the same vein of failure i weirdly enough was i somebody i think i found it online or maybe somebody sent it to me either way it was one of the early early episodes of the joe rogan podcast and i was watching it and it, it was like a seven-minute argument of what they should call them. So they were like, we should be Death Squad. And he's like, I don't think this person should be in Death Squad. And he's like, well, but he's a good person. He was mad about you, about Death Squad. And I'm like, this is how it started, you know? <laughs> like, this is where it began. And uh, for you guys, I think I counted, it was like 15, 16 episodes. Yeah. It's, you're like, you're already on track. You're not, you're not like kind of squabbling. And it's like the, the trajectory, the vision. Um, it's there. And I think there's a reason, um, I refuse to see the numbers of this podcast before it was, I'm like, I'm not gonna look at that cause I don't want to know, but there's a few numbers you've sent to me that I'm like, that that's insane. That's insane. So at a certain point you're, you're doing a good thing and it's reverberating. Um, and I couldn't be more thankful to be a part of it and be here and be talking to you guys and to know you guys and to help and love both of you. Oh, dude, that's well, super you. kind that's, of you. We didn't actually even ask you to do that, man. Thank you for that. No, Seriously, that's, that's super fell. kind. Um, and you know, and and it is. We want more and more people uh, coming along. I mean, we want, uh, you know, what what we've had with Ian over the last eight years. Like, we want that to be like countless other people. Yeah, you have to, and then yeah. for Ian to spawn into somebody that becomes those that person, like he is doing now. That's right. And it just to be this amazing thing because I mean, I'm, I'm in Richmond for the long haul. I want this place to be like super legit. Right. Me too. Forever. Yeah, yeah I and mean, we want to keep seeing that. Uh, sort of replicated out and, and like that means that there's a certain scale you commit to not like you have your your ambitions come down to earth and yeah. you actually can see tangibly like what what uh being committed to each other looks like and i think um that, that'll help help uh create the kinds of conversations that are necessary when it comes to decision making about things like public murals that yeah. we actually need like i don't know that we've solved the discussion today but i think we've initiated it and so i'm interested in coming back to this discussion uh with more insight and, and possibly some avenues or solutions or, or ways forward into discussion. So also do know that this discussion was to, we wanted to kind of initiate this. We think it's going to be a, a discussion that needs to happen with refinement. Yeah. Um, 
And so as we, we close out, we uh, want to encourage you to watch out for current art fair. Um, there's so much going on. Do sign up, go to, uh, is it Eventbrite? Is that? Yeah, they've got okay. their tickets all up on Eventbrite. So yeah, if you search Eventbrite for Current Art Fair Richmond, you'll be you'll be able to find it, no problem. Yeah, check it out. We'll have uh, critique. We've also got a link in the show notes for this episode. Ooh. Yes, so check out the link because we will be doing uh, guided tours with uh, some instruction and methodological introduction of how to look at art in a, in a way that can be very exciting and very helpful that you can rest a lot of your other artistic appreciation on top of. And so, um, if you're interested, please, please sign up for that, uh, portfolio art and design portfolio reviews we'll be hosting at yeah. current. Uh, so Gareth and I'll be, be doing those in addition to showing 12 artists and, uh, doing some podcasting there and the premiere of our, uh, documentary that, um, Nick Seitz is, uh, just killing it on, uh, yeah. called, um, the builder, which is about kind of an unlikely, uh, art collector here in the city of Richmond. Who's a contractor who's bartered art. He has this incredible collection. Um, he's got a Francisco Clemente, which is one of my favorite things about his collection. Mm -hmm. If you know who that is, it's kind of a remarkable story and it'll also include a lot of, uh, important people that have contributed to the art ecosystem here in Richmond. And so we're really excited about that. Um, and lastly, we want to point you to our Patreon. We are hoping to get uh, a lot of people just willing to give us a dollar a month. So if you could uh, today upon hearing this episode, go to Patreon and check it out. If we could get our listeners to give us a dollar a month, then we can fully fund the Chicago art space studios and sustain the podcast and finish out the build out. We're still kind of somewhere in the halfway point, uh, halfway part, but just a dollar a month would be astronomical. And based on our listenership, uh, we think it can help us sustain this, uh, this podcast for the long haul. Yeah. And link to that's in the show notes as well. Yep. So check that out. So that's our goal. Sh spread the word. If you got friends that are interested, a dollar a month, a cup um, of coffee is $4 in the arms of it's four dollars yeah. for a cup of coffee. That's, that's all I'm saying. It's like six <laughs> at Starbucks. So a dollar a month, twelve dollars a year. Uh, if we get uh, anything ha close to what who's listening, we will actually be in a great space. Last past the record yeah. or the goal, the goal, and we'll be able to pay. We'll be able to pay for our studios. Heck yeah! So anyhow, with that, we can't thank you enough, and we look forward to talking with you again. Yeah, thank you all so much, and thank you, Ian. Thank you. You've been listening to Shaco Art Speak a production of Shaco Art Space. We are an independent, non-profit art gallery in Richmond, Virginia. We can be found online at shacoartspace.com and in real life in historic Shaco Bottom.